I've seen in a... Uh, I almost said just now. Just now. I almost said I saw in a newspaper recently when I don't read the fucking <laughs> newspaper. So that would have been a horrible lie. I saw on Facebook recently that there is a arcade machine available at Walmart, apparently. I don't know if there's, I don't know if it's all Walmarts. Yeah, but, I saw that. It was interesting. Yeah, it's called Arcade One Up. It's an it's an at home arcade. I went to the website to check out more information just to just to see what what this is, to see if it was actually legit for one. But this is actually pretty interesting for the uh, for the arcade fans of the world. So it's a it's a sit down style arcade. It's got a cabinet, just standard arcade cabinet. You can purchase, I don't know if it comes with or if you purchase separately, but you can add like an extender to it, a riser that'll raise it up to a standing level. Uh, what else did I see about this thing? <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, it's got, I mean, it looks like a standard basic arcade from back in the day. Nothing too fancy. And there are... It seems like there are one, two, three, four. There's six different models out so far. And you can get. I don't. Not. These are all like compilation arcades. Mm -hmm. So you there's like a Street Fighter arcade. And the other ones are just generic kind of retro ones. Uh, like the, the Street Fighter one. Trying to pull up all the titles to it. Uh, it's got uh, Super Street Fighter 2, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. It's got Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition. There's one that has Asteroids, uh, Lunar Lander, and Tempest. One with Rampage, Gauntlet, Joust, and Defender. There's a Galaga cabinet, which is just Galaga. Huh. It's, oh, actually, it's Galaga and Galaxian. I thought it was only the uh, fighting game cabinet. I didn't realize they had so many options for it. Yeah, this is pretty cool. They got one with Centipede, Missile Command, uh, Crystal Castles, and I can't tell that last one. And one with Final Fight, 1944, Ghosts and Goblins, and another title that I just can't read. <laughs> but this is actually pretty cool. Uh, mm -hmm. I saw this for as an uh, ad for Walmart via my facebook and i said yeah i'll check it out will i get one i mean probably not they're uh they're 300 bucks mm -hmm. right now which one is outside of my price range but two again that's i'm i'm not the world's biggest arcade fan i think for arcade people that would just like to have one in their house just for like a you know the equivalent of having a, a pool table mm -hmm. or a dartboard or something yeah this is novelty yeah I would, man, I don't know. I would actually be torn between the Street Fighter one and the one with uh, Final Fight just because having that arcade version of <laughs> the hardest game I've ever played in my life <laughs> and beat would be it would be tempting. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking to see where, I mean, you could probably, this, they have a website. You can just go to arcade one up. Dot com. You can find out all the information there. Like I said, they got. It looks like they got about six different cabinets out so far that you can pick from. That's pretty cool 
for yeah. the arcade for the arcade lovers. It seems like they're trying to push these out to a lot of major uh, retailers. I'm seeing Walmart, of course, GameStop, Target, Best Buy. So maybe find one near you. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to severely apologize already. Maybe no more than this one for the coughing. <laughs> uh, the 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 seasons finally changed down here, and it seems like my old man body didn't appreciate it. So I'm not sick. I definitely have a slight sore throat. I've only blown my nose twice today, but that doesn't mean shit. Because usually for me, I get a sore throat, and then within a couple days, my nose just dumps everything right, for a yeah. week. So we'll see. We'll see. But my throat is kind of scratchy. I've tried my best to not talk as much as humanly possible today at work because I knew I was going to be <laughs> recording tonight. So I have saved my voice as best as I can. But I will probably be coughing and clearing my throat here and there. So sorry, everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the end of time. I'm Michael. And I'm Chris. Just another... I'll try to do this every great now and again, but for those that have ever wondered where the name End of Time Cast come from, this is this is actually very topical because when people hear this podcast, if I if I tell people about it, I'm sure that goes through their mind. It, w- it would go through my mind if because if 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 I don't know anything about you, <clears throat> excuse me, and you say. You know, I have, I'm, I'm a co-host or a host or whatever on the podcast. Oh, okay. You got a podcast. What's your podcast about? Video games. Oh, cool. What's the name of it? So I can go look it up. End of time cast. I can, I could see, I could see how those two are a little bit, a little bit hard to squish them together. And I think you would have to be a little bit in the know. I guess you'd have to be a little bit in the gaming world to understand where it even came from. Mm-hmm. Because if you just take cast out, like Giant Bomb cast, Super Best Friend cast. The cast is obvious. So end of time. Where does that come from? How is that game related? Well, in Chrono Trigger, there is a place that you can access via the Epoch and, and other means called the End of Time. And Chrono Trigger, per its name, is based around time travel. And there is a place called the end of time where it is quite to its name. It's the end of time. And I just I thought it was a cool name. I thought it was an <laughs> interesting place to be. A uh, couple of meanings behind it could be. I mean, we, we will have this podcast until the end of time. Uh, Play video games until the end of time. Exactly. So there's a few minis. I, I I get it. This is not the most right off the bat. Like it's the Super Mario cast. I I get it. I get how it's hard to make that distinction. But if you've ever been curious, audience, that's that's where the name comes from. Hmm. I was on a Facebook frenzy yesterday, man. I was posting all kind of shit. Yeah. I'm looking back over my. You, you go through those every once in a while. I get a notification on my phone. I'm like, oh, it's Michael again. Yeah. I posted like eight different things yesterday trying to trying to open people's minds to different types of music. I found this is old. This is nothing new for me. I just I wanted to hear the live version again. But every country, it seems, or subsidiary or sub city damn near these days has a got talent 
show of their own. And mm. there is a Ukrainian talent show. I don't know the actual title. It could be Ukraine's Got Talent. Who knows? But there is a guy that sh- that was one of the contestants, and I, I'm kind of hesitant to say the name because I'm probably going to butcher it, but I want to say it's Tiergen Kam or Tiergen Cam. And I don't listen to anything Ukrainian, but I'm open to different types of music. I had a lot of different kind of music on my on my uh, MP3 player and mm-hmm. my, my playlist and whatnot. I've got uh, I've got uh, Dutch rap. I've got Japanese heavy metal. I like I like hearing different genres from different cultures. It's not something I profess to be the greatest of knowledgeable person at, but. I try now and again. Anyway, I don't even know how I found this one. This is a guy that gets on stage and has one of those. I don't know what the actual instrument's called. It could be just a piece of metal in his mouth. It's the thing <laughs> where you flick it with your finger and it goes bam, 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 bam. He starts playing that, and I was like, mm, I'm going to give this about a minute. I'm, I'm not going to listen to this and just blow it off because it's something that I don't know anything about. I don't know anything about Ukraine or the culture or the history or any of that shit, but... I'll give you a minute. I'll give you a solid minute. If I'm not blown away, I'm going to move on. You give this song about 45 seconds when the actual song part kicks in, and I was done. So I I recommend checking this shit out. Uh, uh, To spell the name, it's T-Y-U-R-G-E-N-K-A-M for the last name. And I think the song is Shaman's Arrow. If you looked at, if you type in all that crap into Google along with like Ukrainian talent, you you'll find his audition, and it was pretty mind blowing. So just just going out to Facebook shit that I posted. Uh, the the introduction. Oh, Chris, man, the introduction of Baldur into in God of War. Oh, I love that scene. That is a. That is a tone-setting scene for Balder, because I... Okay, so we all understand that in the God of War universe, even on the Greek side, it's God of War takes a lot of liberties. You know, they're not trying to exactly follow Greek mythology, much like they're not trying to exactly follow uh, Norse mythology. But I don't know any, I don't know a lot about Norse mythology. I've heard the names here and there, but I could probably recall more stories of Greek mythology than, than Norse mythology. So when I heard, I don't, I don't know, Chris, if I heard outside of the game or in the game first that Baldur was the, Baldur was the antagonist, but Whenever I did hear that name, I was kind of indifferent because, again, I don't know who Balder is. You tell me Odin, and yeah, I get Odin, even though it's partially to Marvel that I would. <laughs> yeah, admit. right. I mean, I, I mean, I, but I kind of know, I, I kind of know who Odin is. <clears throat> kind of know. I mean, obviously, I know who Thor is. I, I know a little bit, but that's nowhere near the general knowledge that people have of like Medusa and the Cyclops and mm-hmm. the Hydra and uh, 
Zeus and Pegasus and all that stuff. So when I heard Balder was supposed to be the antagonist or one of the lead antagonists of the new God of War game, I was I was just indifferent. I was like, okay, well, you're just going to have to show me this guy. You're just going to have to sell him to me because you're not really telling me anything. When Kratos opens the door, spoiler warning for God of War, just in case, because it is a pretty cool scene. And if you haven't played it, go play it. Yeah, and if you haven't, go play it. Uh, that, if you have not played God of War for the PlayStation 4, this is especially for anybody, if you, thank you, Chris, for throwing me on this tangent. If <laughs> this episode, this is episode 60, Chris? Yeah, yes. with your new numbering. Yeah, I think it's, it's not 60. new. Damn it. If this, <laughs> episode 60 of the End of Time cast, if this is the first time you're hearing our voices, this is the first episode for you, however you heard about us through a Facebook ad or word of mouth or a friend of a family member's friend's uncle's cousin, however, if this is your first time, thank you for checking out the episode. Thank you for checking out the show. But stop right now. If you have a PlayStation 4, if you don't have a PlayStation 4, let me sell you the four, the three games that you need to have. One, the game I'm, I'm going to talk about for a baby minute right now, which is the God of War 2018 PlayStation 4 game. Bloodborne, another must-have for this console. Uh, and Persona 5, a great RPG for this console. Go out, go buy a PlayStation 4. Four, if you can afford it, not a big deal if you can't. Don't worry, don't sweat that shit. And go get those three games, and then send us an email at endtimecast at gmail dot com, telling us what you thought <laughs> of these three games. So, but yes, uh, small, tiny, not g- groundbreaking, gonna ruin the game for you, but yes, potential ev- uh, event spoiler for God of War. I, I can remember because it was so fresh because this is this year playing God of War, Chris, and having that scene start. So somebody's banging on the door, and uh, admittedly, okay, Balder doesn't have like a deep voice. That's Kratos. Kratos is very imposing, both in stature, both in physical appearance, and both in voice. They cast his voice to be that way. Mm -hmm. So when you hear Kratos talking up until the point where Balder shows up, it's this towering muscled quiet stoic but deep voice powerhouse person talking and talking and talking and then balder starts talking saying i know you're in there it's like what's with this voice what is this (laughs) and then kratos opens the door and here's this he looks like he's like a he's like 150 pounds soaking Mm -hmm. wet with a bunch of tattoos and a beard, and it's like, oh man, this guy is so I'm underwhelmed. I will have no problem admitting that, Chris. Initially, from from dealing with Kratos all this time, and then seeing Balder, I was like, oh man, uh, I'm kind of underwhelmed. But hey, it's okay. Maybe. I was already thinking maybe there was going to be somebody else or something else because you have to, you also got to put this in perspective to the older God of Wars. They had, I mean, damn, God of War 1 started you out fighting a three headed Hydra on a ship. That's an imposing monster you're fighting. Right. 
compare that to here. Hey, antagonist shows up. It's a five foot seven, hundred fifty pound skinny white guy with tattoos and a beard. It's just, oh <laughs> uh, man, I hope you're just a passerby. I hope I, I was thinking these things. Mm-hmm. I totally undersold Balder when I first saw him. And then they start talking back and forth. And of course, because he is an antagonist, and also, of course, because Kratos is such a badass, Baldur starts talking shit. I love that line from Kratos. You do not want this fight. And Baldur's like, oh, I think I do. And you're like, dude. Kratos could snap you with two fingers like what Mm -hmm. you you must be a god or something there's got to be some gimmick to you and when he finally punches Kratos and throws his ass I said okay okay all right still kind of weird because it's still this skinny ass 150 pound white dude with tattoos and a beard but okay let's see what you do and that whole scene that whole instance the three different times you get to control kratos and do that fight yourself and and the it's like gameplay be a bad personally be a badass for a minute stop the gameplay let's put some more money into it and show a little cut scene of these two talking let's take the control out of your hands but still have these two opposing gods fight each other out now cut back to you actually now you go go be a badass again and fight this other god and then let's stop for a minute take it back from you let's go to just do a cut scene and show them being badasses against each other so well done so awesome how they did that and the seamless seamless the whole time there was no fade to black it was they they merged like balder would come in and punch kratos shield and that's automatically going to happen many times in the game anyway but they use that as a okay the controls out of your hands now now we're going to show you a cutscene instead of stop fade to black or something like that oh man so so well done it was it's been I, I, I again this is one of those homework things chris i would have to sit down and think of another time where i was like completely dismissive of of a character and then within the same instance of me meeting him all the way in all the way in such a good game such a good game so yeah i want i I posted that that's that's a i feel that that is a good selling point for god of war it shows you at least that little bitty scene, the introduction of Baldur in God of War, it just, it's, there's no controlling on your hand, so I get the gameplay maybe out, but it shows these two opposing characters ah, so well, so well. Uh, found, then I was just on anime for just a hot minute before I went to sleep. <laughs> uh, posted a really cool, uh, Akira video. Man, what, the fact that that was in 1988 still blows my mind. Yeah. Akira was released in 1988. And granted, this is something that I've always felt anime has been known for. But 88, that's three fucking decades ago, man. And this stuff was good. Yep. This 
Akira's anime, and I'm not talking about a remastered Akira. I'm talking about go get a fucking VHS from somewhere, and good luck finding a VCR damn near, <laughs> but... Oh, man, such good animation. This is something I remembered both on anime side of life and movie. I felt like I felt like Japanese, mainly uh, Chinese and Cantonese cinema, had one up on us. I remember... Uh, I have to look it up real quick because I, I feel like I'm going to start telling some lies here. But <laughs> there was a... There is a DVD that I own right now a couple of them uh they're chinese cinematography and it's it's a man called hero i don't chris you could you could put a gun to my head and ask me where i found this movie i don't know i think a friend of a friend and back in high school recommended it to me i think the first time i saw it was on vhs and it was i want to make sure i'm saying that right it's i'm i'm assuming that it's it's like cantonese I want to say it's Hong Kong cinema. Ah, there we go. It's a 1999 Hong Kong uh, wuxia film directed by Andrew Lau. I'm bringing this movie up because there are fight scenes in this movie that use computer graphics extremely well. There are fight scenes where basically people are using like special moves. Uh, I remember in particular there is a swordsman fighting another swordsman, and I think one of those two basically kind of can control water almost. Like there, there's a scene where I've, it's been a while since I've watched this movie all the way through, but there's a scene where these two swordsmen are are facing off against each other. I want to say it's in the rain. And one of the control, one of the uh, swordsmen is basically he's basically a fucking waterbender, and <laughs> he's throwing like waves of water at the swordsman at the other one. And it's, it's I remember seeing this effect, seeing these special effects, and going, oh, man, because I remember watching Mortal Kombat. Which, granted, four years earlier. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going there. I remember watching Mortal Kombat and asking myself, well, no, asking the movie company, hey, man, I love Mortal Kombat. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to shit on Mortal Kombat. But Liu Kang never threw a fireball in that movie. You could make a loose argument that at the very end, at the very, very end, after all the spikes come up from the from the ground, and he, Liu Kang basically does like the motion of his fireball into Shang Tsung's stomach, and basically force pushes him off that edge to fall onto the spikes. And there is there is a flash there, there is, but that's not a fireball. <laughs> okay, you play right. Mortal Kombat. Liu Kang throws fireballs. Yes, he did his bicycle kick. And yes, there are some things. In, yes, Johnny Cage did the splits and punched Goro in the balls. He, sure, I'll give you some things like that. But Sonya Blade had a move where she basically shot these four or five pink rings out. That wasn't in the movie. Uh, uh, Sub-Zero had moves where he would throw ice at you and freeze mm-hmm. you he 
he froze people? I think, did he throw a fireball? I mean, an ice ball? You know what? I think he did. I, I, I think he did at one point. I think he did. So there was that. I, if you want to be nice, <laughs> I guess you could say that Scorpion's, uh, uh, his harpoon. Yeah. Which, I don't know why they chose to put a mouth on it and make it an animal, little big creature thing, but I guess you could say that was special effects. Sure. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being nitpicky here, but I feel like there's, there's, there was more money. There was more that needed to go into that movie to make it just a little bit more fantastic. And I've seen other movies from other countries, other nationalities where like, yeah, we do CG stuff all day. We do all kind of special effects. We throw fireballs and we have waves of power and uh, sonic booms and looking things. Yeah, we do all that crap. And then we get Mortal Kombat and we get maybe two. So yeah. it's just always a personal little nitpicky complaint I've had. And I don't know how I got down this thread, Chris. I've, I've fallen into a hole. Um, of, uh, Akira, animation, God sure. of War. I, I'm trying to think. I think it was talking about animation from the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 <laughs> you, you can go back and look at a lot. This is my, this is my plea to maybe new newcomers say or more like budding anime fans out there if somebody tells you that an anime is good i strongly recommend don't go behind them and look at the year i know that's tempting because today's animation is awesome and it's only getting better uh, especially now that companies are, tr are are trying to do a better job at doing 3d animation that's always been kind of a it always been kind of a hit or miss. But in any event, hand-drawn or cell-shaded or however they do it, an anime animation has gotten so awesome, so much better over time, and it's only getting better. So I can understand you watching, to use the only anime I've seen recently, I could see you watching animation from, say, One Punch Man, and then going back to somebody say they recommend to you, hey, you need to go try uh, the original Dragon Ball series. I could see that being so old that you would think, I don't know, it's, it's kind of dated. Trust so me, that's so good. And this, uh, if the anime, this is the way that I'll put it, with without being the CGR of, of anime as in the quest, the guy that's had the quest to watch everything. I haven't watched every anime from the eighties the and the nineties, but I've watched a good bit. If somebody tells you that anime from the eighties is good, then you should watch it. Of course there's garbage eighties anime. There's garbage anime today, mm -hmm. but don't let the age of an anime deter you with games that's uh, kind of hit or miss you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah it really is man an example for me was trying to play uh the original witcher the original mm -hmm. witcher back in 2016 i tried out of respect for the witcher franchise i gave that game a solid try and from the controls to the graphics there was just a lot where i just it just didn't work well for me that's usually not an issue with anime 
usually if somebody recommends you an old school anime, it, it's going to be good. Like, uh, oh man, my break in anime, uh, Ninja Scroll. Let me just <laughs> take a good look at that date right there. Uh, come on, uh, 19, 1996. This anime came out pretty much around the time where I first even heard of anime. This is old by the definition of today's standards of anime. <laughs> but I promise you, that movie will blow your mind. That animation style will will blow your mind. Oh, man. man. I've still got the VHS tape you gave me of it. Yep. I still got... I still have mine. I still got my old Akira copy somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. So last two things I'll plug. I'm I, I'm literally just reading on my Facebook. This is how <laughs> shitty of a person I am. The final fight uh, in the Sword of the Stranger, which is an anime movie that I recommend for anybody. I feel I feel Sword of the Stranger is a very easily accessible anime. It's got a deeper story in it. It I almost equate it to Ninja Scroll. I mean, there's a deeper story there. In Ninja Scroll, like what's going on with all the gold and the shogunate and the the overthrowing of the yada yada yada, there's a little bit of that going on here in Sword of the Stranger too. But it's it's about a guy that's really fucking go with a sword and why he his sword is locked away, never to be used, and why that is. And on the opposite side, you have a emperor that's basically trying to take over the country, and he's got this badass swordsman from another country. And the other that guy does he just wants to fight. That's all he wants to do. And I'll tell you now, Chris, as much as the different flavors of anime out there that I do like, as much as there are several types of anime that I get into, guys and gals. If you want to get on my sweet spot of an anime, if you want to recommend an anime for me, I love to fucking death an anime that features a character that is, it's, it's nice to have them overpowered. I'll give you that. Superpowers, that's, that's not, I don't really care about that. Swordsmen and fighters. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's the key thing. If they fight, just because they want to fight if they fight just because they want to get better if they fight for the joy of actually fighting i love that i love that to death i loved it in bleach with uh uh man i'm drawing a blank now uh kira koa i'll come back to him sword <laughs> of the stranger has has a character like that there's a guy in here that it seems throughout the story that he is motivated for a reason. And then you find out later on, no, he just wants to fight the best. When he, those people that like, they, they fight and they, oh, hey, I heard, I heard there was a story of this other person in this other country that he's good. Okay. I'm going to go to that country and fight him. Why? There's no money involved. I just want to fight him. I just want to, I want to do that. Uh, Ryu from Street Fighter is a very good example. I don't know how far out his story has been spun these days with the, with the demon stuff taking him over and all that. But the Ryu that I remembered originally was, yeah, he just likes to fight. He just wants to be the best. Not to gloat over everybody, but he just travels the world barefoot with a fucking bag fighting people because he wants to fight the best and be the best. And I like that. Especially when they're not fucking arrogant about it they're just they just know <laughs> they just know 
So uh, Ken Pachi was the Bleach character. I did not look that up. Just want to throw that out there. It just <laughs> took me a minute. Had a brain fart. I had to remember Ken Pachi. Uh, Chris, how much Bleach did you ever watch? Have you ever watched any Bleach? I watched, I want to say a ton. Can't remember much of it now. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of tapered off. Yeah. I think it was it's, one of those because I realized one. how long it was. Yeah. And I was like, It's a hefty right. one. And I think... Without looking up the numbers right in front of me, I'm just too tired to do it right now. I want to say that that anime series finished off at like 350, 360-something episodes. Mm-hmm. That's daunting. That's a fucking commitment. Believe me, I know. I did 200-something plus myself. I think I was up to 270 before I finally realized, yeah, that's that, that's what happened. I, I started watching Bleach, and I made it like 270-plus episodes in. And right Right around 260, Chris, I was like, there are a lot, and I mean a lot, of open threads in this anime, but I only have like 10 episodes left. This must, this series must have a stellar finale to it, but as episodes kept going, I'm like, no, 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 now more (laughs) shit keeps coming up. Not only are my questions not being answered, but more and more. So I stopped and looked it up. It's like, oh, yeah, the, the, the manga isn't even finished. The anime is definitely not finished. So I had to stop that. Yeah, one. I think I made it. I want to say around 100 episodes. Yeah. I need to get back into it because I want to finish it out. But even with the 350, whatever, 60, whatever it is, there should be somewhere this should be readily accessible these days but you can actually take out all the filler episodes because you know chris as well as i do almost every anime has those shows they're they're literally filler it's oh we're going to the beach episode or oh let's go find a diner and and go go find some good food episode or oh it's my random friend random family members coming to visit wacky hijinks are gonna ensue (laughs) there are a lot of filler episodes there's arguably a filler season in spriggan uh not spriggan good lord i'm looking at spriggan and i'm (laughs) I'm talking about this uh and bleach and i think again without having the numbers in front of me i think once i went in and cut out all like bookmarked all of the filler episodes and even the filler season and actually knocked it down pretty reasonable like 260 270 or something so yeah i need to finish it i need to do that but man kimpachi's character i i love people like that they just they eat power it's actually what his uh spoiler warning for bleach i guess i'd hate to take this away from somebody watching it but He's fighting somebody, and if you ever watch Kenpachi fight, he fights with a raggedy-ass sword, like his sword looks beat the fuck up, and he wears an eye patch, and I guess, I, oh, it's been, it's been too while, it's been too long, Chris, it might have been, it's probably been about five or six years since I watched this last, but I want to say he's fighting somebody, and... The guy's like, hey, you know, you, you, this, I don't remember if he questions Kimpachi about his, about his eye patch. Like, can you, do, do you need to wear the eye patch or are you fighting me with like half your power? And he's like, nah, man, you don't want me to pull this eye patch off. 
because this eye patch is imbued with this like spiritual monster thing, whatever, and it's basically sapping my power twenty four seven. It is keeping my power down to an extremely low level, mind you. He's telling this guy this with the legacy that Kimpachi has, which is I'm I'm a fucking unstoppable monster of a person. And he's like, yeah, this keeps me real, real low. If I take this patch off, I basically become unleashed. I could probably break the world. And yeah, he pull, he ends up pulling that off. And oh man, I, I love characters like that. Like his sword isn't sharp because he's like, I don't need a sharp sword. I don't need to sit around all day and make this super edge sword. I can take a fucking tree trunk and kill you with it. I will slice you open with a fucking twig. Because that's the power that I possess. So yeah, anytime I hear of a character that just likes to fight, they're just all about they're all about power and being on top. I prefer more reuse mentality where it's like, yeah, I just I do it because I want to. He's not trying to win a crown. He's obviously not not have you seen Ryu lately? He still has the same old ragged karate gi. <laughs> yeah. He's got the same gloves. He's still God knows what he's toting in that bag. I've seen anime where he's bought a sandwich, so more he's bandanas. got a little money. Yeah, more bandanas. But obviously, that from not that I can tell anyway, Ryu is not a millionaire. I don't know what he does. I, 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 uh, fighter fans out there, correct me on this, but I think he, I, I think he donates all of his money to charities. I think it's something like that. But he still fights. He trains every day all day long and fights the baddest ass people in the world just because he wants to fight those people he wants to fight he loves to fight and loves to be the best and then lastly there's an anime called Spriggan this is another movie it's it's, it's a pretty cool movie that's all I can tell you there's a character who I want to say he's kind of like a government experiment and he's been kind of sort of Captain America he's been Steve Rogered where he's had enhancements to his body basically he's got super strength and whatnot and in this particular scene which is animated very well uh choreography is what i was talking about on these facebook posts the choreography and and all these animes i'm talking about are so awesome but there's a scene where uh spriggan i forget his uh, you is his name i think y-u-e like you you is being chased through the streets of istanbul by these gunmen uh they're they're tracking they're they're trying to take him down for some reason if you want another reason watch the anime but he's being chased through these cities of all the, the fight scenes and the shooting and how he's getting one-ups on everybody and it comes to the end and he's he's almost got away and he gets in this one-on-one engagement with a guy that's this big ass towering like eight foot tall dude with a sword and he's the guy's slicing around and it's like he's gonna cut him up and and use just dodging left and right and the guy goes to do go in for like a killing blow and you grabs the blade and holds it and the guy's like trying to bear his weight on it and trying to push the blade you just snaps the blade in two, and I. It, what looks like he roundhouse kicks the guy and snaps his neck. I don't know. He just roundhouse kicks and looks pretty much just kills the guy. But the best part of it, he's like, I don't know who you people are, but you are not ready to handle a spriggan. And he takes the blade part that he broke off and throws it, and the camera zooms way away, like miles away, and cuts. It's like he like somebody was spying on him from miles away and he just ah oh, I love that. Love that. 
I don't know what took me down this Facebook post brigade yesterday, but it was one thing after you. I honestly didn't get much gameplay yesterday. I was just looking at crap online. Uh, but that was definitely not my week at all. That was just me blabbering on for what feels like about two hours. Chris. Yeah. How, how was your week, brother? All right. Before I talk about anything else, I got a story for you. Okay. And then I'll get into my non-gaming stuff. But This, since it happened, I've been burning to talk about it. So, I'm playing Assassin's Creed. Odyssey, of course. And I get another freeze of soft lock. Or actually, this would be a hard lock and the game crashed. Um, okay, third time it's happened. No biggie. I just reload the game and move on. So I wait for it to go back to the dashboard. Because um, I'm playing on Xbox One. It goes back to the dashboard. I reload the game. Reload my save. I'm like, all right. I just completed a quest. And it hadn't saved, so I went ahead and talked to the NPC, finished it up. I lost like 30 seconds worth of work. No biggie. And I'm like, all right, I need to go do this other quest so I can, and these are story quests, I need to go do this other story quest so I can finish out this essentially kind of chapter, mini chapter, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So I pull up, I look at my map, and I'm like, okay, I don't have a marker for it. Let me go through my quest log and track it so it puts a marker for me. No quest. The story, I only had the two, essentially, default, I'll say. Um, because once you unlock them, you essentially don't complete those two story things until you beat the game. Um, so I only had those two left and not the other Odyssey quest that I was working on. So I'm like, huh, that's odd. So I went to my auto saves and my manual saves I made before. I found one that was... Uh, like, I want to say 10 minutes prior, checked it. It wasn't there either. I'm like, okay, that's odd. Because that was before the freeze. So, or before the save, that was right before the freeze. So, you know, the freeze had corrupted a save, and that's what it was, you know? Yeah. I'm like, all right. Load up. It's not there. So, I'm like, hmm, that's awesome. I go back even further. I go back to 40 minutes prior, where I hadn't even unlocked these quests yet. So... Or I hadn't started them. They were the, let me rephrase. There was a quest I hadn't completed that unlocked these other two, uh, mm-hmm. next in the chain mm-hmm. as sub quests. So I go to the primary again. And that unlocks the two. I talk to the NPCs because there's two NPCs. One each gives you a quest. All right. One I had completed and it, of course, because I went roll back so far, it wasn't completed because I just unlocked it. So I unlocked mm-hmm. that one, talked to the other NPC. He gave me his objective. I'm like, all right, cool. I go to my quest log. The second one isn't there still. Huh. So at this point, I have one of two story quests that I need to progress in the story. And no matter how far back I go, because I, I, at that 40-minute mark, I played up because <laughs> I was like 20 minutes before unlocking the quest. So I completed more stuff again to try to unlock it, didn't work. So I am, I then went, okay, maybe it's just not showing up my log. And I actually Googled, watched a video of someone playing through that part of the game and said, all right, here's my objective point on the map. I went there. I saw the NPC 
that I would interact with in the quest, nothing triggered. I'm like, okay. I let it, the video module progress further. There's another point of interest on the map related to the quest. I'm like, all right, I go there. The NPCs are all there. I'm like, okay. Um, so what you're telling me is I can now no longer progress on the story no matter how far back I go. Hmm. Which means I can't beat the game. And this, this is, is at, not good at all. No, and this is at very close to the end too. Oh, this is in the. No. This is like the last. I want to say two, three hours of story I was working on. Oh man! I'm like, okay, and then I start thinking. I'm like, all right, what would affect across multiple saves? It's got to be something cached. All right, so I go to the data section on the Xbox to look under the game. It only has my save file. Of course, I'm not going to delete that because it's my save file. Right. Like, okay, so there's no cache because um, I talked recently about the new Trials game that I played the the, uh, beta for. And one of the things, it had a cache, and you had to go clear that cache to resolve some issues. So I was thinking, you know, along the same lines, maybe that's a thing. Well, it's obviously a thing somehow, but not as easily gotten to. Um, So I'm like, all right, well... I guess I'll just hard reboot my system and hope that clears out RAM or something that's storing this, you know, some sort of mm-hmm. temporary cache. Because it had to be to carry between saves. So I power down completely, give it a moment, power it back up, load the game up, go. I load the save before I started the quest just to make sure there's no overlap. Talk to NPCs and my quest marker was there. I was like, thank goodness. The process took me like two hours to figure out what was going on because I wasn't just going to, I couldn't ignore it. I couldn't progress without fixing it. So I was like, all right. I I was very close to, you know, pulling up. I'd already pulled up the forum looking for the section where I could report a bug to get help with it. But I kept working on it as I was pulling that up and trying to think of stuff on my own to fix it. Boy. Still, two hours is a long time to be like, yeah, my my save may be fucked. Yeah, and that was probably at the 70-hour mark on my save file. Did you, do you know if this is a known issue? I couldn't find anything else about it. Wow. Um, and it's, I'm sure it's purely because of the moment it crashed. Uh, because these crashes always happen when it's saving. But this is the first one that's had any sort of visible impact. Yeah. Um, the other ones just let me proceed like normal. Uh, I hope. <laughs> I hope I didn't miss it. I don't think that I did. scary um, as shit. 70-something hours into the game. Yeah. And I had, between auto saves, my manual saves, and the quick saves, which are... Di- so there's manual saves where you actually go to the menu save, choose a slot, etc. And then there's quick saves where you go to the map or inventory or something and whatever screen you're on on the pause screen, essentially, you press up on the D-pad and does a quick save for you. So you don't have to do all that navigating. Um, And it rotates through five of those, I believe. So you can go back and, uh, you know, basically have five points of reference uh, based on your quick save. So between manual saves, auto saves and stuff, I had probably 15 save files but all of them would be rendered useless uh, if that bug had persisted. But 
I worked through it and all ended up well. I uh, beat the game that same day. I believe I beat the game at around, as I get my notebook, at around the 75-hour mark. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm currently at 86 hours in the game. I have gotten 100% of the story-related content complete, which I'm not entirely sure how it measures that because I'm at 100%, even though I still have side quests to do. Um, but it was going up when I was doing stuff other than the Odyssey quest, I think. Yeah. Unless I was entirely mistaken, and it wasn't at all. So it's kind of... I don't have a true indicator anymore of whether I'm at 100% or not. Um, I'm There's a another uh, tracker for how much of the map you've explored. And I'm like 99.4% complete. I have wow. no idea what the other 0.5% is. <laughs> um, as far as I can tell, I can see everything on the map. So I guess it's something where I didn't go in far enough for it to pop up the name and go, you have explored this place, you know? Yeah. Or you have discovered this place. So I'm currently in the process of going to every question mark on the map because those are usually uh, related to a region um, and at least unlocking them, if not completing them. Uh, I have all the viewpoints, of course. Um I did that as part of trying to unlock the regions. Typically, if you have all the viewpoints, you have all the regions, but this one doesn't have a viewpoint in every region because some of them are, you know, kind of out in the middle of nowhere or they're right next to another one so they don't get their own. Um, The I've come to the conclusion that I'm not going to complete everything on the map. Uh. I could easily just, you know, go through and do that. But, and the reason I'm not doing is laziness is because of a, essentially, story reason. Um, there are objectives on the map that are in areas that are essentially full of innocence. Mm-hmm. Or um, they're now involved with a faction that I am friendly with. And I want to maintain that. I don't think the game will actually go, oh, you've killed us and now we're not friends anymore. But I don't like the idea of that. So mm-hmm. if the objective, if the point of interest on the map has something to do with that faction, I'll go in and take the loot because they don't mind. I literally do not get attacked for taking the loot anymore, um, which is a really cool reward for making certain decisions, you know. Um, so I'll do that part of it, but I won't like kill the person because they're an ally. Um, so I'm not going to hundred percent the map, but I'll probably get pretty close. Um, I'm, I don't know if I said this already, but I'm at 44 out of 50 achievements. So I've got those pretty, pretty close to being done. Um, I actually thought the reveal the map one was bugged because on the Ubisoft tracker, it shows hundred percent. That's because it's rounding up. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, okay, thanks. I thought I was done. Turns out I actually open up, because uh, if you look on the website, it rounds up. If you look at the app on the Xbox, it gives you the actual percentage. Yeah. Um, 
So I saw that and I was like, okay, not bugged. I just need to finish going everywhere. I always uh, thought for the longest time that there was a bug in Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which, remind you, is one of my top 15. Make sure you're on my wall. Yep, there you are. Uh top 15 video games of all time and i will admit honest engine right here on this episode that i have not what is i think the maximum percentage of that was was it was it 200 percent, chris or was it 207 or something oh don't ask me uh, i forget there is a there is a maximum percentage in Castlevania, which it goes above 100% because the, the, the cool trick of Castlevania is that when you beat the game, you can go to an, basically an alternate ending, which gives you an alternate version of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have beaten Symphony of the Night several times. And I, one time, one time of all these playthroughs, I decided to go all the way through. This is back in high school days. So we're talking fucking 97, 98, <laughs> 99, something around there. And I decided to go through, I decided to go through the whole entire game and get everything. I wanted to 100% this game. And it was, it was, I did it because I wanted to. It wasn't just for a, you know, like a, a, a trophy or a mental trophy achievement or anything. I wanted to do everything in this game, and I did. I got all the weapons. I killed all the bosses. I got all the items. I, I, I well, let me, let me be specific here. I got everything that the game told me to get for percentage. Uh, so what I'm seeing, if what I'm reading here, the maximum percentage is two hundred point six percent. <laughs> the regular castle, the regular castle has a hundred percent, and the inverted castle also has a hundred percent. But there's a point, there's an extra point six percent because there are a couple extra rooms, I guess, in the inverted castle. I went everywhere in this game, Chris. I went everywhere you could possibly be. And for those that have not played Symphony of the Night, they like most like modern games do today they will mark your map per everywhere you've been to so and mm-hmm. and this game for the for the most part has boxes and horizontal uh and vertical and diagonal lines showing you where you've been so you will be in a cavern that has like stalagmites falling from the or uh, dr- dropping down from the ceiling or there will be like a cut in the ceiling but you will still have to get up there somehow you can double jump you could you could turn into a mist form or a bat form and you 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 have to fly up and basically cover these areas i did that everywhere in my game i had a map I don't remember if it was online or if I had a player's guide or where I had a map, but I had a map and I would section by section per area, make sure I had everything covered. And when I pulled the map up, I had everything. There was nowhere else I could not go. My map matched perfectly, but mine always said like 200.5% instead of 200.6. And I, I remember there were being a couple places down, well, I guess it would be technically up, but the map, the castle was inverted. But I remember there being some like caverns that had a lot of those, 
areas like I was talking about where you basically had to, you had to transform into something in order to physically cover an area. So you sure. would see like a block missing out of your map and you'd have to transform into a bat and fly up in the left-hand corner as far as you can go. And with a lot of tweaking and maneuvering, you would finally see that square uncovered. I had a few of those, but I did all of them. Again, I matched a map up to a completionist map and it showed everything, but I'll be damned. So that has bugged me to this day. I have no, no problem going back and playing Symphony tonight, and I'm sure I will. But if I do, I'm I'm pretty sure the next time I play Symphony tonight, I'm going for that 206. <laughs> I want to do. And that's such an yeah. arbitrary thing for a 0.1% you know, to not have, but mm-hmm. I, I, I want to. I love that game. That game is awesome. Yeah, so, um, let's see. Uh, I'm also going around and unlocking all the question marks because there's a uh, side quest that I can't figure out. Mm. <laughs> it's it, They basically give you a bunch of maps, which are essentially a screenshot of the endgame map uh, changing the... the Whatever, what do you call it? The, uh, the way it's drawn, essentially. Mm-hmm. So instead mm-hmm. of being the colorful, uh, you know, in-game map, it looks like an old school, you know, pirate treasure map type thing. So it's the tan, you know, and all that. Uh, and there's, I, I've done really good on some of them. I actually at one point thought because I was streaming this, I was like, man, anyone watching this is going to think that I'd looked up where this was because I looked at the thing. <clears throat> the image of the map in game went back to the world map and almost immediately zoomed in on where it was. Oh, wow. Cause it was a, such a distinct, uh, land structure. And I was like, I, I just quickly in the first place I thought looked close to it. I was like, Oh yeah, that's it. Too and I went easy. there and sure enough, <clears throat> but this other one, it's like a essentially almost straight line of coast. And the only indication of where that's supposed to be is first the angle the coast is at. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now I've got frog in my throat. Um, the only indication is that the angle of the coast indicates that it's going to be like in a northeast corner of some landmass or mm-hmm. at least similar structure it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got like a little divot in it, uh, a little I guess I, and it's hard to tell on this map. I don't know if it's like a inlet of water, a kind of canyon thing or whatever, but it's a very nondescript and matches so many things on the map. But I'm guessing it's going to have a point of interest attached to it, or at least in the area. So when I get close to it, the quest will pop up going, Oh, you're in the tre- treasure maps area. Yeah. You know, it lets you know that you're there. Um, so that's another reason I'm going through all the point of interest because I cannot figure out where this is at the moment. Um, so kill two birds with one stone, you know. So kind of backtracking a bit to beating the game. Um, this is a very, very interesting experience to have because the ending I got was both satisfying and anticlimactic. Um, it, it, isn't that typical for Assassin's Creed's? 
endings? I mean, because most I of mean, them leave with a cliffhanger. So. I mean, not 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 in the not in that sense. Usually, if it's that much of a cliffhanger, it's probably not a satisfying ending. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let, let me let me explain a little better. So, <clears throat> it was anticlimactic in that there was no huge kind of crescendo, I believe is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. But it was still satisfying because that's how I chose it to be. Ah, uh, okay. My decisions led to that point where it's like, all right, we're done. All right. <laughs> that's very interesting. That's <clears throat> so I, I beat the game and I'm like, wow, that was anticlimactic. But I was like, but that's exactly my decisions led there. Hmm. I chose not to kill certain people. I chose to do things certain ways. And that led to this result I got. Um, and it is very, very satisfying for it to pay off like that and know, have a tangible, so to speak, result of my decision made, making in the game. Yeah. You know, that's how you make decisions matter. Um, it's not like, well, I'm not going to make comparisons. Um, cause I'd have to get, I think, too spoilery for that. Um, cause if I make comparisons, I'm going to have to explain it. Otherwise, it's going to sound odd. That's what I was going to say. But needless to say, I'm, I'm now even more curious about what things would have happened if I made other decisions. And, I'm even more curious about playing through as uh, the male character, uh, Lexios. And something that's kind of amusing I've noticed is that on all of the... I haven't watched anyone else play yet beyond like a little demo stuff they were showing around E3 time and afterwards of gameplay. But I'm not seeing anyone playing as Alexios. Everybody's playing as Cassandra. Everybody. Um, so I think I might be hard pressed to find someone to watch. That's you, that's actually Plater. Do you think you'd play it again yourself? I I don't know that I'll play the entire thing over. Um, I what I'm thinking I'll do is I'll start the game as Alexios play a little bit just to see what's different and that'll be that um i also have save points at a few key points in the story mm-hmm. so i might go back and make different decisions on there <clears throat> i've actually kind of already done that for a couple of decisions uh because i was like all right i know what i want to happen here but i have to know what the alternative is yeah so i yeah. do the one i'm not going to select watch it and i'm like okay got it and then I reload my save and go the path I actually want to go. Because um, it was just, it got to a point where I'm like, okay, what is going to happen if I do the other thing? I I, I can't, you know, wait to find out. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so overall, really, and the, I kind of got to thinking about this because I was thinking about the story and, you know, comparing it to Origins or even... Uh, gameplay to Black Flag and stuff. And with the story compared to Origins, it's kind of hard to compare based on the ending I got because 
if you just look at the story without keeping in mind that I made certain decisions to get to that point, it's like, well, yeah, it was anticlimactic and just kind of tapered off, you know, kind of ended. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's not generally a good thing. Um, so I, but even with my decision making and play, I don't know if I can say one's better than the other. I think they're too different for mm-hmm. me to really decide. Um, and I feel like it's such a cop out to say that, but I honestly don't know which way I would go if I had to pick which one was better. Um, maybe do you, do you think maybe this would be a game that you would go back through and play all the way again if you gave it some time? Like, what if you didn't seek out and watch somebody else playing through the male perspective mm-hmm. and gave it like I don't know two months, three months, just back away from it? Do you think it has that draw? I'm gonna tell you now. When I finished God of War, I was like, you know what? I'm probably good on this for a minute, but I'm going back through this again. This is before a new game and the plus was announced. I just knew. I could mm-hmm. just take a break and go back into it. What do you think about that in this with the uh, Odyssey? So replaying games is something I typically don't do. There yeah. are very few games I actually go back and play. Um, in this case, I think that it would be different enough that I would potentially do a main story playthrough yeah. where yeah. I only yeah. go through the main story. Um, right. I might even toy with putting it on easy. I would really just like to through. know... I really like to know how different, because I mean it's, and you're not the only one to make this comparison, this observation. It seems like they've almost essentially made two separate games, two separate campaigns, in this game, and mm-hmm. that's that's commendable. You know, it's not well, you know, it's not male ship, you know, and female ship. Right. It's right. It's two separate people. Period. Mm-hmm. Two separate lives. Two separate arcs. That. That's a lot. That's that that's pretty good. Yeah, and there are a lot of small things um, that you, it makes you wonder what the difference between if you're male uh, or if you're Alexios or not, because the it, it's so hard to talk about spoilers. The what happens? So if you choose Cassandra, what happens with Alexios? I'm wondering if it flips it and that happens to Cassandra instead. And if so, that would be such a incredible difference of character between when you're playing as her and when you're seeing her in the story. And that's, it seems a bit much to be honest. It's something like you look and you're like, eh, so let me make a comparison. So you brought up uh, Mass Effect with male and female ship. You have essentially the same character going through the game, same dialogue. Just, so tones are typically the same. You know, you can assume they're going to be roughly the same. Uh, there's not really a huge variation there. But say that it's essentially a different person as the version you're playing as. So it's a completely different 
a different tone, different attitude, different everything. Um, I, I'd be curious to see if there's dialogue differences between them, uh, depending on what you chose, other than obviously, you know, he, she type, you know, pronouns, etc. Um, I'm curious if they just have like completely different dialogue options for that person because they are individual people, not just male and female versions of each other. Uh, it'd be really cool. Yeah. Have you thought about doing any side quests if you do go back to the game? Like, I I totally get the idea of going back through for the main story. If the main story is good, which it seems like this one may may turn out to be just that, but what about doing the side quests? Nah, there's, there are maybe a few that would be worth doing just to make different decisions. Um, but otherwise, not really. Especially the general... Um, let me put it this way. I would... If I did side stuff, it would only be the primary side stuff. Like I mentioned uh, last week, that there are different diamonds on the map for different types of quests and stuff. Uh, you have the gold standard Assassin's Creed Origins type diamond for your main side quests, which are essentially side story related. And then you have these black diamonds that are what I believe are completely random events that you can do. Uh, bounties and whatnot that are repeatable, essentially fetch quest type filler to help you level and whatnot. Uh, I wouldn't touch a single one of those. I bar- I stopped touching them in my main playthrough because they didn't contribute to anything. They're like, yeah, go kill these bandits. Go kill these bandits. Go kill these sharks. Go talk to this person. Okay, yeah, you're not giving me any, any meat to this game. You're just a filler. Um, That's which something isn't... I've heard a lot about this game. A lot of outlets and let's players and just people I've heard talk about this game is a lot of these side quests seem very samey. I get that that's going to happen toward the end of a game when you've kind of exhausted the tree of what an NPC can and cannot offer for a line. But it seems like what I'm hearing is a lot of these quests are very samey toward the end of the game. Yeah, and and that's fair. I mean, the first time you get them, they'll be somewhat interesting. Uh, But there are actually points on the map that are not clearable like the other ones, like the other point of interest. They don't even show up as point of interest on the map. They're just yeah. random, like, camp set up, and they'll spawn targets there for these side quests, these unimportant side quests to do these bounties. So they give you a never-ending stash of objectives, essentially. Um, <clears throat> there's something else I was going to say. Uh, the... Right. As far as meaning stuff, the gold di- the gold diamond uh, side stories, some of those are really interesting. I mean, and they're all, they may have similar objectives at times, but like the one I'm talking about with the map, nobody else has those maps, I don't think. Um, hmm. Or if they do, it's like one, you know. This character, it's a bunch of maps are your objectives. So you're doing this exploration map treasure hunting thing. And that's kind of unique to that character. You don't really have that. Um, and it's not, it's not even just going to a point and digging up a chest, you know, in the old pirate way. It's okay. This is hidden somewhere. It's in a cave. It's underwater. It's someone has it, you know, you're having to do other many objectives, even once you find the treasure maps destination. Yeah. So 
there's a lot of content there. And there's, aside from mechanics, there's story behind it. You know, these characters, so many side characters, sub characters, whatever you want to call them, that aren't part of the main story or they have a very tiny role in the main story. But then you have this side quest line that can span like 10 quests and it's all related to their story, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, as far as I'm aware, all of those are pretty unique. Um, again, aside from mechanic based, because it's a video game, mechanics are going to be pretty similar. You know, you go here, you kill stuff. That's a given. Um, so I'm not going to hold that over them too much, but you typically have other objectives. Um, yeah. So I, the, the bounties and contracts or whatever side quests are good. <laughs> uh, I don't know if there's anything else to say about Odyssey right now. Um, I, that's really, that's the only game I played this week again. Uh, I need to get into Destiny 2, uh, so that I can do the Halloween event, uh, which is like Festival of the Lost or something like that. They don't actually call it Halloween in game, but, mm. uh, that event started on Tuesday. So I want to get in there. Um, I think I have two weeks to do it, but, uh, I'm really trying not to stop playing Assassin's Creed at this point until I finish it because I know I'll get sidetracked and not come back. Um, right, right. Cause Origins, I still technically have stuff to do in Origins. I haven't, I, let me kind of correct that. I 100% the base game. I believe, but I have 100% the DLC, so I still have stuff to do in it. Uh, but I, I don't want to end up not doing. It. And I could probably, if I really tried and actually like went through the achievements themselves, I could probably knock them out in one afternoon. But I'm trying to do other stuff in game for that internal 100%, mm-hmm. uh, because 100%ing a game sometimes isn't just getting all the achievements. You know, that doesn't always cover it. And Assassin's Creed is one of those cases. I want to at least unlock all the points of interest, do the ones that I'm okay with doing with as far as, you know, character uh, based decisions go. And then I'll consider that part 100% done. Um, and finishing up the last of the side quests I have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. So, non-gaming stuff, non-video gaming, I should say, um, Adam and I actually did a little uh, D&D session last night, uh, nice. different from my normal campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a, it's a new thing I'm trying, uh, kind of to help me improve as a DM and to uh, plan better mm-hmm. for certain things. Uh I'm essentially calling it like Battlegrounds, where it is a combat-centric, essentially, playtest, mm-hmm. where Adam builds a party, and then I throw combinations of enemies at him to kind of see how that scenario would work out. Okay. Um, throughout the main campaign, we've had a lot of scenarios where the party has just trounced the opposition, um, as, even in times when they really shouldn't have. And it's kind of frustrating at times to be like, all right, this is a character killing event, you know, uh, 
I know, I don't know. I think I've talked about this on before or we've talked about it. I can't exactly remember, but, uh, there's always that, you know, not all fights are meant to be won. You know, sometimes you need to run. Uh, you're up against an unstoppable enemy, et cetera. Um, and the parties run into at least one situation where I thought it was like that and they just, they demolished. Nobody even went down unconscious. Wow. And I'm like, all right, that was, you know, supposed to be completely murderous, but yeah, that sucks. Um, so as I thought about it and instead of just, you know, essentially testing by myself and just kind of simulating combat, um, I actually roped Adam in and got him involved. So we're going to do these little sessions from time to time and, uh, do some combat play testing. Uh, did the one last night. We realized almost immediately that <laughs> things were forgotten. Um, kind of part of, you know, jumping essentially into the middle of what would be a campaign, a party without having all the build up for those characters, you know, building them at level five, you don't have that in character experience from one to five, the world experience, etc. So like last night, he was level five. He had no magic items, which doesn't really work well when in react, since in reality, a level five party is going to have at least one item each usually. Right. Right. Um, if not more. So, and the enemies I threw him up against were a bunch of devils which are resistant to pretty much anything non-magical. Mm. So they had no magical weapons, so they're doing half damage the entire time. Um, while that's certainly a situation that may occur, not at this point in the campaign and not in the main game I'm running. Um, the main game I'm running, pretty much everybody that needs one has at least one magical weapon. Uh, so it's fine. Even your character has a silvered weapon that would work, you know? Mm-hmm. So... It, uh, yeah. And there were, uh, Adam forgot to put spells on his paladin. So his paladin was a worthless hunk of metal, essentially. <laughs> um, which led to amusing situations, but didn't really help the test. So, um, I think we're actually on the next time we do it, we're going to revisit this exact fight, but with the characters geared properly and spelled properly. Cool. Uh, but it's a, it was a good start. It was fun. Um, it was nice. It was informal type thing. It wasn't like, all right, you know, jumping into role play D and D. It was, all right, let's talk about this, Adam. You know, because Adam's got so much D and D experience as well, mm-hmm. uh, way more than I have. Mm-hmm. So, I'd be like, huh, this is interesting. We just talk about it for a moment. You know, completely pause combat because we're not working through a story. That's our goal was to test stuff. Yeah. So. He would pull up anime stats and look at them with me and, you know, look at things. And it, it was, it was fun. Lots of fun. Um, I'm also jumping back into some code stuff. Uh, I have a project I'm working on. Um, I mentioned before the, uh, GTA 5, uh, role play stuff I watch. And, uh, there are a lot of systems they use in game, uh, and out of game, uh, and I was asked about a month ago at this point, it's been a bit, uh, if uh, it was kind of a general question and I piped up that I could help uh, making some out-of-game systems uh, to help this person. Um, and it kind of snowballed. 
uh, to the point where it would be kind of remaking endgame systems. And I was like, all right, now, now I've kind of gone too far. And, you know, this is up there working on the actual game. The, yeah, uh, the server devs are working on. Yeah. So I actually talked to a couple of them, uh, told them about what I was going to do and they understand. And they, uh, they, I think our current understanding is that I can continue with what I'm doing. Um, I obviously don't have access to those systems or databases, but when it's done, I'm just going to turn over source code to them, uh, and they'll incorporate it or not into what they're doing. Cool. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a lot of stuff that I've sort of done with my coding on my game and, uh, other, you know, learning stuff. So this is a very good learning opportunity. Um, I always say that when it comes to coding and programming, the best way for me to learn is to build something. Um, that's my, how, kind of how my RPG, uh, Twitch bot started. And that's kind of why I volunteered to do this, you know, for the guy. And it would be awesome if something I built was actually incorporated into, you know, uh, a tool used or a system used by people I spend hours watching all every week on yeah. Uh, Twitch. Yeah. Hell yeah. Especially with that community, man. So, yeah. Um, so I, I actually didn't play anything yesterday cause I was like, I'm going to go do some development. Then I'll play something later. I didn't touch a game yesterday. I played or I, I played, I coded for hours and I was like, Oh yeah, Adam should be ready soon. So I messaged him. I was like, okay, yeah, he's going to be ready. And, I essentially coded until he was ready, and then we played D&D. &D. Um, yeah. So, but I finished Assassin's Creed like I planned to, and I'm, I don't know how much longer I'll need. It shouldn't be very long. It depends how sidetracked I get, because as I'm, as I'm kind of getting into the grind aspect of completing the 100%, I'm getting more distracted by other stuff, like, you know, I have videos up and whatnot. So I'm like, all right, yeah. I need to finish this. Oh, hey, this video. Oh, I've been sitting doing nothing on my game for the last three minutes. Okay. Um, let me jump back into that. So, I should 100% it soon. Um, the, uh, what you call it? Uh, there's a DLC for Spider-Man coming out soon. Okay. Um, I... I totally forgot to look up the exact date on that. So I'm going to do that right now. Uh, but that's going to be, uh, they're adding, I think it said four new suits plus this, uh, side, you know, DLC story content. Mm -hmm. Um, which the suits are kind of whatever, but, uh, it would be. That'd be interesting. Uh, the heist on October 23rd. Okay. And this is the black cat side thing. Yeah. Which I know you've previously mentioned you don't really care too much Meh. about, I think. Yeah. Um, and also on Tuesday, uh, the 23rd is the, uh, Fallout 76 beta, I believe. Oh, uh, yeah. So I'll be jumping into that. So I have to finish. I have to finish <laughs> Assassin's Creed this weekend. Yeah. Um, it's still that season. I, I had a little bit of a gap there, but we're still in that season. Yep. The games are rapidly coming out. DLC's coming out. 
Um, let's see. I don't know what was last day we recorded. It was the 11th. So after we recorded, uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 4 came out. I'm not really interested in playing that, but a lot of people are playing it. Um, yeah, I'm hearing a lot of great things about m- not mm-hmm. necessarily Black Ops 4, but the new Blackout. Mode. Blackout. Yeah. Yeah. Which, from what I'm understanding, is basically what PUBG was supposed to be. You know. It's, oh yeah. Absolutely. Hey, let's 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 throw a triple A company at the uh that at that genre at the uh man i can't think today chris i'm I'm gonna be crazy battle royale battle royale yeah the the difference is astronomical um you already had kind of like if you look at Fortnite versus PUBG, they're different you know they're not they're kind of two styles of the same genre yeah but you look at PUBG and call of duty you're like okay PUBG, what they've made, like you said, is what Call of Duty has now. Yeah. Uh, and I watched, uh, I watched a team of Hunter play it, uh, just yesterday. I think I watched the video for it and I'd seen people streaming it, but I didn't really have any interest in watching a stream of it. Uh, but it's team of Hunter, so I'll watch pretty much anything they put out, uh, minus their World of Warcraft videos this week. Uh, anyway, um, so I watched it and it was so smooth. <laughs> combat was smooth uh vehicle travel was smooth everything about it was so smooth in comparison it PUBG wasn't a graphically impressive game to begin with but it wasn't super terrible you know it's one of those it's a tolerable level of not great but after seeing Call of Duty look as good as it does doing the exact same thing so much better. It's like, all right, PUBG's dead. <laughs> there's yeah, no, no there's literally no reason for it to exist anymore. None. No doubt. I, yeah, I've, uh, man, I've been out of the Call of Duty game for a while. I think, I think I may have played Black Ops 2, maybe. That's a, that's a big question mark. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I honestly... Like, I mean, just the fact you said vehicles. Apparently there are vehicles in this mode. Uh, I I have three options. Okay, I've got the original PUBG, which is still out there. I've got Fortnite, which is free, and it's the one mm-hmm. that everybody's doing, and it's got a, a super humongous fan base. Or I've got this. Uh, yeah, th- I would not be averse to playing this. I just, I just don't know. I don't know if I have time. I don't know if I want to get into it. I don't, I don't know if that's a rabbit hole I want to go down. Yeah, uh, and just, that's just fair. Many reasons. Uh, I, this seems like I'd be, I'd be good with watching people play this game, uh, and and then see if that, see if that starts a fire in me to make me want to go play. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I. Uh, it, it's certainly a genre that's. You have to definitely make a decision about getting into because if you like it, then you're going to spend a lot of time with it. And I think it was Zeke that talked about it on Dropped Frames. Um, Ezekiel the Third uh, is his handle he goes by. Um, but he said that he doesn't play it uh, battle royale purely because of how much time is spent sitting there, and then may immediately be wasted. You know, you sit there for 40 minutes, 
manage to outlive and essentially see nobody uh, sometimes or you see people and kill them, but then you die all of a sudden instantly never see it coming. You die. And it's kind of like, why did I just spend the last 40 minutes doing this? You know, that wasn't rewarding at all. Yeah. So Um, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting for me to see how this is averting that, how it's getting around it, what it's doing to spike that. Because yeah, that's a, that's a solid negative why I didn't want to play uh, PUBG in any case because man I yeah. can't I can't do that I can't spend a whole lot of game of the 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 basically what you're doing is 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 gathering you're scavenging and then right. uh, you got popped in the side of the head where'd it come from uh, you know, I don't know I, I'm dead I guess I'll wait spawn back into another game yeah, yeah. no thank and you and if you're not playing on teams even if you do find out where it came from it's useless unless you're on a team yeah so it'll be interesting to see how this one how this game this this add-on to this main game (laughs) has has changed that Um, but it's got me interested i will totally admit that man it's got me interested because people are talking about it and they're talking a lot of good things about it uh even to the point of the uh the zombie mode everybody's saying like yeah Mm -hmm. that's just as good it's 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 awesome it's an awesome zombie mode i'm thinking Okay, I remember the old school Call of Duty zombie mode. Yeah, that didn't blow my socks off. So, but people right. are saying it's good. People are saying a lot of good things about Black Ops Four. But they are, yeah. Um, I'm checking now to see if my date's right. But I have Battlefield Five is coming out tomorrow. Oh wow! Uh, uh Google says the twentieth, so day after tomorrow. Okay. So the I, tomorrow begins. is probably a console early thing or whatever, yeah. or pre-order early type thing. Yeah. But yeah, this weekend, Battlefield Five. Uh, do you recall if they have a battle royale mode? I think they don't, right? I don't think they do yet. I don't think mm-hmm. they have. I think they have. Th- there's gonna be one. Like we know, there's going to be one. It, yeah, because that's gonna have to be the big battle. You know, the PUBG and the PUBG and Fortnite battle is long done. I wouldn't say long (laughs) done. It is definitely done, but it's not fucking ancient history. So, yeah, it's time. Mm -hmm. Now it's time for the trip A's to come out. Now it's time for the big boys to start swinging at each other. And I am generally interested to see, uh, especially seeing how much, you know, the, the, the vehicle combat, particularly the vehicles being in the game. Okay, well, if you want to know how. So. You want to t- that you want to take the uh, battle royale and make it better. Give it a bigger budget. Let's see what Call of Duty can do to that. Okay, well, Call mm-hmm. of Duty also has a lot of vehicles, and well, we could add more to it. Let's add vehicles. Fortnite did that. All right, well, let's add even more budget to it, and a lot more to do. And and <clears throat> okay, well, now you've got the Call of Duty. All right, well, then we added vehicles to it. All right, Battlefield, you're up. Let's see how. Let's see what you can add to this mix. This is good for business, provided they're trying to make these things better as opposed to me too, you know? Yeah, I think the thing with Battlefield Five, and I don't know how much Call of Duty has in it, to be fair, but uh, Battlefield's thing for a a little while now has been destructible terrain type things. So I don't know that Call of Duty's done that much of that. So maybe that's what Battlefield's thing is, you know? You have a huge map with all these changing terrain features. Uh, on top of, you know, vehicles and whatnot that Call of Duty has, you know. That's yeah. how they step it up. Yeah. Don't know. We shall see. 
it's going to be interesting to kind of watch from the outside because personally, I don't really have a whole lot of interest in playing either of these. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am curious just to see how the competition between them goes. Um, yeah. It's an interesting fight there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Starlink I have came out two days ago. I haven't heard mm-hmm. anything about it. Wow. Uh, let me check that date because I think my dates I have on my list are kind of E3 dates and stuff. Uh, Starlink, yeah, 16th, two days ago. Well, maybe people just haven't made it to the Star Fox levels yet. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's honestly my uh, only interest in it. Yeah. Every time I see that, I think of you <sighs> and get a chuckle. <laughs> <sighs> Just give us what we want, Nintendo. Is that too much to ask? We just want a Star Fox game. We don't want anything else in it. We gave you that. No, you didn't. Yeah, we did. We gave you Star Fox Zero. That uh, uh, You had to add gimmicky fucking Wii U control. Damn it, Chris. Why you do this to me? Why you bring this up? Here's here's a headline for you uh, on an IGN article. Is Star Fox, or excuse me, is Starlink... The Star Fox game we've wanted for years. Oh. oh. <laughs> I haven't read it. Oh. But I just thought that saw that header and I was like, the, I no. I have to tell him. <laughs> no, it's not. IGN, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Anything uh, else for your week, buddy? Nah, I think that's it. I'm going to say this again, and let's see if I make myself a liar. This is going to be another short week for me. (laughs) I said that last time, though. I say that because I've only been playing two games, and I've been playing the same two games. I've been making... Well, no, I'm sorry. Playing two games, one of which is the same one I'm still working on, which is Mega Man 11. Okay. I have... I've got one main boss left. And nice. then it's and then it's off to whatever Wily esque stages are await me or what mm-hmm. Wily stages await me because come on wait come on come on come on we all know we all know uh now and I know what you're thinking and I'm saying mainly to the audience as well as you Chris I know what you're thinking wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute so you had this game as a demo yes admittedly I only played the demo for a total of maybe two or three hours. Which still is a lot of time if you think about it, but yeah, that's that. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't grind through that. I played it. I played it in between other games. Okay, so you had the demo, and you could not even get to the boss. That's right. It was difficult. I couldn't do it. Okay, and then you got the game, and it seemed like you still couldn't get to the boss. Yeah, that's right. And now, after I think about a week, maybe maybe two weeks at the most, I've got one boss left. I'm saying this also because I realize that that over the course of this podcast, the the episode spacing and all that, the time may not seem like any big deal, but I feel I'm trying to convey that I feel like I've kind of ran through these other eight bosses. Every every stage, pretty much, well, no, every other stage. So what we're saying about four stages, three three or four stages, have had some sort of block for me, have had some section or some area, some 
uh, in between checkpoints, be that a checkpoint to the Wiley stage or Wiley uh, gate or a checkpoint to checkpoint. Every other stage has had some place where it's like, all right, I'm just sucking here. I, I can't, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing this right. I'm not beating this stage correctly. I'm not doing what I need to do. Some of them, a couple of them have been because it's been like, okay, I'm at a checkpoint. Let me progress through the stage, progress through the stage, progress through the stage, Bam, now I'm at a mid-boss. I have to beat the mid-boss to get to the next checkpoint. Okay, well, mm-hmm. I've got like a third of my health left after that shit. So all the die and go all the way back to the checkpoint. Uh, one or two other ones, and I I'm, I don't remember which ones. Uh, I should have took notes on what I got hooked on but I or snagged <laughs> up on, but I, I didn't. I'm getting really bad about not taking notes, but understand, folks, I never took notes in my life when playing these games, period. So uh, there have been a couple where it's just been, nah, man, it's just checkpoint to checkpoint, and it's an extremely long period between checkpoints. I, again, I'm not complaining. I mean, Mega Man, original Mega Man games had checkpoints too, but it's just some of these some of these areas are just difficult. And then I remember what I need to be doing, which is using the fucking gear system. And then what do you know? It's after a couple deaths, I, I make it through. Like that is, I'm still, I'm still teaching myself to use these tools. After about the fifth or sixth boss, admittedly, I got better at it. I did. I'm using them. I'm using my time like nothing. Like every. Every other area, I'm just using my time. Just now, I'm just just to see what it does to the enemies. It still <laughs> does not feel like it's cheating for me because, or using a crutch because, again, the meter runs out. You've only got a scant amount of seconds before that that thing's going to stop, or God forbid, you let it run out and now you have to wait. You know, triple the time. There are stage hazards. And, and most of these levels just are designed to use these gear systems. They're going to throw powerful enemies at you that you can just, just overcharge. You can use the power, uh, you can use the power gear to dispense a lot of ammunition, a lot of, a lot of damage to them. And there are going to be times where things are going to be moving fast and you just use a time thing. Case in point, uh, there was a, uh, I don't I cannot believe I don't have this game committed to memory yet, folks. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but there was a stage where there were about three or four separate sections, which that kind of got annoying. But they have a gimmick or a stage scenario where there is fire that's following, that's chasing you basically through the stage. Uh, I think this was Torchman stage, if I'm not mistaken. But so you'll transition and it's actually they actually have a little bit of stage context clue that you're about to roll into one of these, because when you get to this, the part of the screen where it's going to stage transition, you'll see some fire or flames like at the very edge of the screen. So you kind of know that, hey, I'm about to run into one of these areas. But yeah, you, 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 you transition, you start moving to the right, and then a wall of fire appears behind you and it starts running. The first time that happened, boop, immediately just popped the time. And it gives you a significant pace ahead. I 
did not go through any of those without using the slowdown. So I can't tell you if it, I, I, I'm assuming it's possible. Uh, I'm, it's got to be possible for you to kill enemies fast enough because, you know, when you're killing enemies, you're typically stopped or they're going to, they're going to be in your way. So you don't want to take damage and, and get the damage effect and get pushed back or whatever. So it seems like they are designed to where, yes, you can get through these and be pixel perfect and time everything perfect. If maybe not pixel perfect, but pixel pretty fucking good. And you can get through here without using the time gear. I use it every time. And yeah, it's... I'm not, I'm not necessarily complaining. I don't want it to seem like I'm complaining because... On the one hand, I'm getting longer levels. Longer levels does mean more Mega Man. My complaint is just a whiny one now. It's just that some of these sections and these levels, the, the, the length of time between checkpoints is just crazy. It's just like screen after screen after screen or section after hazard after puzzle after hazard after section. It's just like, ah. Oh. But again... Shouldn't complain. Checkpoints are there. It could be worse. A lot of the bosses as well use. I, I, I'll, I'll admit, I mainly use the time the time gear. I rarely use the power gear because I'm so used to charging my Mega Buster. Since Mega Man Four is my favorite, and that's where it started. I'm so and, and and with Mega Man X having a power charge as well, I'm just so used to always running around having that thing charged. There are not a lot of enemies where I've felt a necessity. I can tell you many places where it would have helped, yes, but none of them have been. I have died more to, up. Oh, I should have slowed down time than, up. Oh, it just took too many bullets and I didn't kill them fast enough. Mm-hmm. And typically, if it just takes, if it just takes more bullets, I can just slow down time because that essentially pumps more damage into the enemy. Right. There have been a couple bosses that, I think Torchman in particular, uh, just super fast. It was either him or Blastman. There were there were a there was a boss or two that's just man. And again, you have to think that in your head. You you go through this stage, and you've got three lives, and you progress little by little. Progress, don't make it to a checkpoint. Game over. Progress, don't make it to a checkpoint. Game over. Progress, make it through a checkpoint. Get about two or three screens in the next one. Die. Go back to the checkpoint. Die. Back to the checkpoint. Die. Game over. Start from scratch. So mm-hmm. you keep working this way all the way up. And <clears throat> I'll get to these bosses. And it's like, well, I've got like six pellets of life. Let's see what this guy. And then he is all over the place. Like, super fast movement, super fast kicking, super fast uh, jumping up and slashing forward. And it's just like, man, obviously, let me hit this time button. And you slow down time. And it becomes less and less about you manipulating the boss and more and more about what I need to maximize everything I'm doing to put more damage into him before this time runs out. It adds another level of control but it also adds another level of something you need to be controlling you Mm -hmm. have to be able to jump and shoot well enough with time being slowed to do as much damage as possible instead of just do as much damage as possible 
So it is definitely challenging. I'm still loving it. I'm still having a good time with it. It's a Mega Man. The difficulty is not a breaking point. It's never going to be a breaking point for me because that's what these games are engineered for. They, they are made this way. If I can beat older Mega Mans, I, I can beat this one too. And again, and well, not again, but and another thing, <laughs> in case I didn't mention this before, this is Mega Man 11. It's been a long time since we had a Mega Man. So at yeah. the end of the day, when I finally beat Mega Man 11, if that's February of 2019, <laughs> that's that much time I got to play this Mega Man game. Because typically once I beat these, depending on how I feel about it, I'm usually done. Mega Man 11, I don't know about the replay value. It's very interesting. It's it's new. I, I'm, I, I'm appreciating their takes on Mega Man. But Mega Man X4, Mega Man 4, uh, Mega Man 6, Mega Man X, this game doesn't have that that appeal for me, that draw. It is very good, though. The level design is, is good. The boss designs are interesting and good. It is a Mega Man game. But I, I'll have to wait and see. I'll have to wait and see after I beat it if I feel like this has a lot of replay value. It's really hard to speak on replay value yeah. when I haven't even beaten the game yet, you know. So, question for you. Yes. I've talked before about how I've, I've never beaten a Mega Man game because mm-hmm. I just am not good enough at that. Yeah. Uh, I find them incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, with the new mechanics in 11, do you think for someone like me, maybe someone in our audience, you know, in a similar situation, or even for those that have played the older ones, some of them, maybe not, you know, fanatics like you, but do you think this one is worth giving a try if you, for whatever reason, didn't finish the older ones? That's a toughie. Honestly, because even for me, a seasoned Mega Man guy, and I realize I'm garbage, but even for a seasoned (laughs) Mega Man guy with these tools, it's still difficult. It's it's going to be easier using the gear system, it is, but it's not God mode. You know, it's not a super crutch. It's more like a little hat to your butt as you're running forward that's that's about what it equates to i have been i mean i'm not intentionally for say cheating sake i keep using that word it's it's not cheating to you (laughs) this is an in-system game yeah uh maybe cheap is a better 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 term for it but I've, i've tried to continue to use these systems like as much as possible i keep trying to max it out you know, like, let me see how far I can go, how long I can have this timer on, uh, this gear on, how long is going to take for it to refuel. You know, let me buy it. Let right. me buy the chip that lets me, that makes the gear charge down faster or recharge faster, yada, yada, yada. And even with me using this constantly, it's almost as if the designers knew that was something that you, that was something that you could do. And they have designed it where, yeah, you got just enough time, man. You've got just enough time. This okay. is not going to make this game a breeze for you, which is good. I mean, there's still challenge there. Okay. Uh, I would say, as opposed to other Mega Mans that don't have any system like this, yes. But I, I, I warn you and anybody else, it's it's not going to make the game super easy. 
you know what i have not done is drop this game down to an easier difficulty i have heard and i would if anybody else does if you do I respect that. I'm fine with that. I'm only playing on this because I don't really fucking know why. I'm used to playing Mega Man games without the <laughs> difficulty thing. Yeah. Uh, but given the difficulty that Mega Man games do have and given the difficulty of this game, yeah, I can understand that. I- I'm totally fine with that. If that helps you get a better Mega Man experience as opposed to throwing your controller through your TV, go for it. Do it. That combined with the gear system, I'd say, yeah, it it could make it more accessible. Uh, If I could recommend any other ones, that's honestly a toughie, man. I'd say Mega Man X Primary. Uh, Believe it or not, of all the Mega Man games I can think of... I mean, they all have have the in-game turn-up problem. The in-game turnip disease, where, yeah, you can look through, you can look around and find a guide that has a boss order, and you can even find an in-boss order and and mid-boss's order, uh, weaknesses and all and all that stuff. But like most games that have a in-game type area, it gets real difficult, and the bosses get real difficult for a lot of these Mega Man games. So if I just had to throw one out there to say, Hey man, if you want an accessible one, that's, that's easy enough where you could definitely make it easier too. Mega Man X. I think that game only really turns the ratchet up when it's down to Sigma because you fight his dog, you fight him and then you fight a, a mechanical uh, boss all in right. one go that's a lot to ask for mm-hmm. even with nine lives and full sub tanks yeah. but I don't think I had anywhere near the hang ups in Mega Man X that I have Mega Man 9 that being said again you have the gear system available to you and you do have the option to select a lower difficulty so I hope that answers your question long answer I know but yeah yeah I've been debating on it um and I haven't actually played any of the X games, so mm-hmm. yeah. um, I'm not sure. I don't have an opinion on those. You know, I've yeah. watched them played, um, but I haven't played any myself. So I've, I've been debating on if I want to throw Mega Man 11 on my list to play or not. It's it's so hard to say, man. It's just hard to say. The game is good, but I don't. The difficulty's throwing a lot of people off, and yeah, yeah. I would say it's worth a try eventually, but it's not. This is not a burn your pocket open right now game. I can I can mm-hmm. tell you that. Okay. The only other game that I've played, uh, I didn't really do so much of turmoil. I've kind of had a, I, I've kind of had a uh, an itch to play a Mario RPG, and I wanted to play some of the. I'm, I'm trying. I want to go back through the Mario and Luigi games. These, uh, I think the, so Mario Luigi Superstar Saga was for the Game Boy Advance. And I think the rest, if I remember right, the rest in the series so far have pretty much been on DS or 3DS. So I picked up Saga and I'm slowly working my way through it. I think I'm about, I think I'm about three bosses into it. Something about this game I will tout right off the bat that 
that hit the first time I played it, and it's still hitting now. And I think whether or not it's a super popular fact about this game, I don't know. But this game, it hits humor so well. It does a really good job of mixing just humor with Mario-specific humor and knowledge. Uh, I wish I could give you some specifics, but I don't want to spoil anything for one, and I don't, I haven't, t- I have not taken any notes, so it's purely off of my playthrough right now, pure, purely off my experience, and there, just the way the dialogue. If I'm not, I feel like most of these Mario RPGs are known for this. Like I feel like that it's known. I don't, I just don't know if it's like the selling point known. But they have some really good humor, these uh, these other RPGs, these non-Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars games, which everybody wants a sequel to. I get it. Me too. But the artwork, even... Uh, I'm saying even for the Game Boy Advance, as if the Game Boy Advance has bad art. It doesn't. It has sprite artwork. It holds up in its <laughs> own regard. But... The the game does hold up for me. Right. I'm I'm playing through it. I'm enjoying it. It has that combat, that action combat that that you know from art Mario RPGs, which is an example. Hey, I'm going to jump on an enemy. Let me press a button right before I land. Oh, I did some more damage. You get the idea. They have uh, combos that do the same thing. Yeah. So. And they're, and they're intuitive where they make you do more than just press one button because you control Mario with one button and you control Luigi's uh, commands with another button. Not at the same time, mind you, but whenever you're pulling those characters up and it's their turn, that's how you do that. So they'll have combos that are like a, like a Mario Brothers combo attack. And it will be, you need to time press a move, a button for Mario, and then time press a move for Luigi, time press a button for Luigi, and then time press again for Mario, and you'll get the maximum damage. If you fail anywhere in there, it may go through with it, it just may do less, it just, it'll just do less damage, or it may fail altogether. Uh, it does make you, you're, you're more, you're more incentivized you're incentivized to learn the, the the characters. You're incentivized to learn their moves. That way you can figure out when you need to time them. And you also, like most of my RPGs, most RPGs in general, you're incentivized to learn the enemies too because certain enemies are immune to this, yada, yada, yada. There are overworld commands as well. So, of course, Mario and Luigi both, they jump. That's how they 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 do a lot of terrain navigation in this game a lot of jumping they also have like different types of jump moves like there's like a high jump there's a move where one brother will jump on the other brother's head and they'll do like a like a helicopter move so it'll let you traverse over a pit between platforms and i remember there are more than that there are more options i think there's like a spring one I, f- I forget what they were. It has been a while since I played this game, so I'm I'm kind of remembering it as I'm playing it again. But the from the overworld jump actions, from the overworld brother type actions to the combat actions, the combat combos, the enemy variety, the humor in this game, these game hold these games do hold up. Uh, for anybody out there that 
knows Mario Super Mario RPG, The Legend of the Seven Stars, I understand. Believe me, I do. It's up there. Up there in my top five or ten in the SNES RPGs. Probably five. I think we did an episode about this. Should be up there. Uh, I love Super Mario <laughs> RPG, Legend of the Seven Stars. And I totally, 100% get the frustration damn near anger with Nintendo slash Square Enix that we can't get a sequel or a remaster. I get that. But don't let the Paper Mario series and the Mario Luigi series go to the wayside because they are not directly related to that game. Don't do that. The Paper Mario games are funny. They are good. And so are these. Like, both of these are, are exceptional. Are they up there with that caliber? I'd, I'd say in their own regards, yes. You know, there's not a super gigantic gap between RPG Seven Stars and Mario Luigi Superstar Saga, other than maybe the graphics. You know, that, that pseudo 3D look that Mario RPG has, Paper Mario, uh, uh, Superstar Saga does not. And that's fine, mm-hmm. but it has its own look, and its own look holds up. Its own mechanics hold up, just all the way around. If you've never gotten around to playing these RPGs, you should give them a try. There are, I think, four, as of this episode, uh, four Mario and Luigi titles. The Paper Mario, I'm not sure. There's Paper Mario, Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door. There's the one for the Wii and there may be another one. I think there's also like a, a sticker star story or a sticker star or something. Uh, I'm, I'm not too sure. But all the ones that I have played, I have enjoyed them. They have been good. They have been worth my time, worth the playthrough, and enjoy them. And there have been, especially, again, I want to key in on that humor. There have been plenty of times across these games where I've got myself laughing out loud. It's just the way that they're written. They're they're meant to be funny, and when they want to be humorous, they they hit they hit it. So, uh, again, I've it, it, I should know this because I just played it day before yesterday. I should know where I am, but I, I so there's <laughs> an area close to the beginning of the game where Bowser has been not captured, but he's stuck. And some other, some big monster character comes out and says, hey, if you go give me some coins, I will unstick him. I am in the next area past that. Uh, if I had to guess on a timer, I want to say I'm about four or five hours, maybe a little more, probably about eight, eight hours-ish. And I'm about three or f- two or three bosses in. So I've still got a little ways to go, and that's fine. I don't know if I'm going to move directly into the next Mario and Luigi game after that. I don't know what I'm going to do. I never know what I'm going to do after I beat a game. But I'm in this one so far, and I'm enjoying it. And these, for me, they all I, I think I remember them being fairly quick as well. Like a typical RPG for me is about 30, 40 hours. I feel like this one was about 20 or 30. So we'll see. We'll see how sure. all that pans out. I don't think there was anything non-gaming related. There were some TV shows here and there um, I was interested in. I'll be, um, I may check out uh, the the Haunting of Hill House was one. I think I might be checking that out soon. And I've got a few other movies here and there I made, but I haven't done any of that yet. And I have not checked out any of my other anime 
on Crunchyroll just yet. The last thing that I did do, oh man, I know Chris saw this. So it's been bugging me for weeks now. I, I keep trying to remember the last three long played games of mine are Breath of the Wild, Persona 5, and God of War. <laughs> uh, I didn't, I've only done one of those so far, but I'm trying to just stop. I've been trying to stop be being lazy and pull up the actual save file and see how much time I put in these games. Yeah, I put over 258 hours into Persona 5. That's that's a kicker for a lot of people, okay? That's that's a hit, folks. That game is good. It's so good. And I'm glad I've got that. I took a picture of it. I took notes. I'm like, okay, now I can remember. Because, I, I, I mean, obviously, after we talked about it on this, on this podcast, I, I mentioned the time in an episode. I just forgot. And Chris, man, starting that game. So you have to, I have to actually go <laughs> into the load file screen if I wanted to see that time. That means I had to get through the intro, which I could have mm-hmm. pressed start and just skipped it but it didn't and I had to sit at the title screen with its own unique look and music and I sat there for a minute and then I went to the load screen and just saw the graphics of the just 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 the menu layout and load screen I'm telling you man the urge to play that game again is strong it's so strong I don't know when I will, but I know I'm going to go back through that game. What will I do? I don't know. Maybe a lot of the same shit I've already done. But Persona 5 was my first Persona, and it was so good. <laughs> and just just getting back into that yeah. vibe. Chris, you know what I mean. Just that vibe that game puts out. As soon as I heard that music, mm-hmm. you know, I was just I was back home. I was like, oh, this game's so good. So... <laughs> that's how strong of a game that is and that, that yeah. that's good stuff so yeah that's pretty much my week that's it for me that's it for me and and it's understandably that it is me because we got to get into today's topic oh it may be a lengthy one may not be we'll see today's topic we are doing another game of uh sorry end of time cast year in review and this year we're doing 1995. So again, for anybody out there, if this is your first episode with the End of Time cast, again, sincerely, man, thanks for showing up. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. What this is, is a series that we're doing right now that will, uh, it'll, it'll end sometime once, you know, Chris, we can, we could do the math and figure out when the years are going to meet up <laughs> with where we are. My money's on, 2022 <laughs> that's when i think it'll happen in any event this is a little series that we're doing in the end of time cast where we're going uh through pretty much every year in video gaming and we're 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 basically reviewing what games came out that year we we're we'll do a little bit of console just slash general uh yearly news which i just realized i didn't take any notes for so may not happen on this one <laughs> uh whoops but the idea is we're going through these years and listing out games that we feel should be brought up discussed talk about uh, highlights of the year it could be games that chris have played could be games that i played or if adam's on the here it could be one that he played it could be games we we all have played 
or it could just be ones that we know deserve to be talked about. So the idea is just to shed some light on the year and just kind of reminisce about what happened that year, specifically in the term of video, in the light of video games. Uh, let me pull up my 95 gaming tab real quick and vamp out and see if anything actually sticks out in my, sticks out for me. All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the ni- 1985, Chris, had the first E3, the first Electronic Entertainment Expo held in Los Angeles, California in May of this year. And that's still going on to this day. Still a big deal. Still a big thing when it nice. comes to game gaming news and events. I am happy to see that the the game, the video game, the game awards as well is becoming a big to do. Uh, it's nice to it would be nice to have you know E3 as a big thing and the game awards as a big thing in the same year. The more events we have in my eyes, the better. Uh, game facts, the website that everybody used and probably still uses to this day. <laughs> yeah, back in November 1995. Holy crap! As yeah. an archive of video games facts for anybody that doesn't know, FAQ frequently asked questions. Man. the uh, The initial idea was people just post a bunch of questions, and they will, and the ones that typically get asked will get this, will get an answer. That changed into fact being understood as a guide, a walkthrough, whatever. Uh, November of this year, mm-hmm. Nintendo unveils a playable version of the Nintendo Ultra. 64, which later, of course, they would drop the Ultra. It just got named Nintendo 64. Fine by <laughs> me. No big deal. Uh, and 13 games were uh, playable. Kirby, Kirby, Kirby Ball 64 and Super Mario 64 was another one. And let's see any... Yeah, well, apparently that must be my cue for some Sega news. <laughs> uh, let's see. I know there's something in here. Sega releases the Sega, Sega Saturn. Saturn. Yep, yep. Got released this year in May. Uh, Nintendo. Oh, Lord. The Virtual Boy was discontinued in December. Uh, actually, <laughs> the Virtual Boy was released july 21st mm-hmm. and then discontinued on december 22nd that's wow. not a very long uh lifespan that's a, <laughs> no no it's not but on a more respectful and sad note the the nes the nintendo entertainment system the nintendo was discontinued in north america this year uh, august 14th that happened sony releases a playstation console this year oh yeah that's kind of a big deal uh, and then the Sony also released a PlayStation in Europe. Uh, let's see. New companies, BioWare, Frog City. Of mm-hmm. course, BioWare being the big deal. Uh, Nintendo versus Samsung Electronics. Nintendo sues Samsung for promoting software policy. The suit is settled. Software piracy. Software piracy. What did I say? Policy? Policy, yeah. Wow. I need to go to sleep, apparently. But I'll be damned. We got video games to talk about today. <laughs> and I I need to look this one up. I'm sorry, folks. I didn't do enough homework in this episode. But Nintendo America Inc. versus ND, NT Deck. I remember 
I remember that. I just don't remember what it was about. So that'd be some good homework for anybody just to check it out. Uh, I realize that's kind of defeats the purpose. That's what we're doing. But I failed you all, and I'm sorry. Uh, copyright uh, and trademark infringement. Yes. And unfair competition. Yep. Which is something that Nintendo's had to battle a lot for is the, you mm-hmm. know, unfair. Just a lot of companies out there got muscled by Nintendo quite often. There is a, there is definitely, because it is a business. Okay. I get it. We all understand it is a business. But yeah, there is, there's a lot of black blemishes on Nintendo's record. If you ever get that far into looking into their history and practices and all that, yeah, it gets pretty hairy. But enough of that shit, because we're not here to talk about bad <laughs> Nintendo. We're here to talk about 1995 in general. Let's get into the games. Uh, Battle Arena Toshin Den and Battle Arena Toshin Den 2. Uh, Nintendo, uh, Toshin Den 2 was in uh, Japan in 95. It would then get its worldwide release in 96, but still... I'm just going to go ahead and say Toshin Den 1 and 2 came out this year. I mean, this te- game. Go ahead. Technically, the uh, arcade edition of it did come out in 95. It was a PlayStation yeah. version that was 96 for worldwide. Yeah. And this game has a special spot in our hearts, uh, Chris and I, because I remember if, if. So. So Chris and I used to get. Uh, babysat by our great aunt and great uncle and in their house they had an extra spare room that they rented out to a guy in his uh 20s at the time when we were kids uh and he was that cool guy had all kind of video games all kind of magazines all kind of gaming movie music he was just a cool guy his name was andy so anytime you ever hear us talk about andy that's who we're talking about uh, well, he had a PlayStation back when him and I were scrounging with a Sega Genesis, which Chris, did you own a Genesis or did we just borrow Andy's and play his? No, I owned it. Well, us, us peasants were stuck with the, <laughs> with the, uh, having a Genesis. This guy had a PlayStation and I remember, I will always remember to this day of him playing Battle Arena Toshin Den. And being like, hey, y'all want to see something funny? <laughs> and he picked Fofei, which is an old, old man character. He's got a long white beard, and he has these giant claws. Like, he's got sleeves that go past his hands, and out of the sleeves are these long claws. Pretty interesting character. Yeah, he's got some cool moves here and there. But he does a special move where Fofei bends over and <laughs> farts. And a giant yellow fireball goes arcing across the stage. And young Chris and I were dying laughing. That was the funniest thing us kids had ever seen. It was a farting guy in a video game. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. To this day, I still love Fofei. He's, he's, one, he's my favorite character to play as. And I still love in Toshin Den. I think the original Toshin Den, I'm going to say this is an end of time cast statement. Battle Arena Toshin Den 1 has the best Gaia design. That that metal samurai-looking suit with the four claws jutting out of the back and that giant buster sword, buster sword sized sword he carried. Love that look. I love the voice modulation they did for him. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, 
and I usually am, every <laughs> Toshinden after, it was Gaia out of his suit. It was out of his armor. There may have been a Toshinden where you could pick that as like an alternate costume, but I think sure. starting with Toshinden 2, they just took him out of that. He's got a somewhat cool Japanese outfit on. D- does not top that armor. That armor is cool. That design is awesome. Uh, Battlerina Toshinden is a is one of a few uh, one of the early uh, PlayStation 3D esque fighting games. Not super well known, but I feel known enough. You know. Uh, yeah, Bug, another game that came out this year. Chris, saw you, man. So, this was. Uh, again, in this era of games we kind of talked about last time of the uh, fun little games, you know, not taken seriously, like we talked about Boogerman and all these other just silly games. Well, Bug, as it sounds, you're playing as a bug. Um, I also noted that this is one of a couple games that had an exclamation point on it. So, yeah, <laughs> it's just an amusing yeah. little thing. Um, kind of just to. I don't know, I see it as not taking it seriously, you know. Um, But Bug was a uh, 3D platforming game. Um, Mm. You play this little bug, you had a health bar, uh, and you collected these blue crystals. A hundred of them would earn you extra lives, essentially like coins or something else in other games. I actually couldn't tell you what the goal of the game was. This was on Sega Saturn, by the way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was just a fun little game to play. Just nice. a platformer. Yeah. And I'm all about platformers, so I should I should somehow check this out. Yeah. Uh, Clay Fighter Two, Judgment Clay. We're back. So I have to admit this. This is the the Clay Fighter series in general is one of my guilty pleasures. I have some fond memories with the original Clay Fighter. This is this happened to be one of those games that uh, Jughead and his dad would play at their house. Uh, I realize there's another name I'm throwing out there that people don't know. Uh, so Chris and I are, we are brothers basically. And then we have a cousin, uh, who is the older of us two. And he was been playing games longer than us and loves video games. What makes it even cooler is that his dad would play video games. And that to me was unheard of. Again, we're talking back in 90, 90 around this time 95 96 time frame i'm a very young teenager at this point and having an older family member that plays games that's really cool in and of itself that was enough but this dad also play games i remember them having a super nintendo and having legend of zelda link to the past clay fighter i don't remember if clay fighter 2 i think it was no they had clay fighter 1 i don't know i don't think they had 2 uh, Super Tecmo Bowl, because they had to have a some they had to have a, a sports game, you know. <laughs> yeah. And Final Fantasy two, 
And there may have been another one, Chris. I ain't going to lie. There may have been another one, one or two, but those specifically. And I, so I'm at my, I'm at my older cousin's house playing clay fighter with him and his dad and getting my ass kicked, but not caring because I didn't know what the hell clay fighter was. I had never heard of this game and I'm playing a game with a, with claymation style characters. One's, one looks like a, a cartoon version of Elvis. Another one is a walking piece of taffy with arms and legs and a head. One is a, a blob. One's a snowman. I, I love this. I, I always get a kick out of these games. And the fighting game sense of the word, are they good games? No. I mean, you can mechanically look at these games and pick them apart. Mostly nostalgia, but also just charm. I've always had a soft spot for these games. Mm-hmm. This one is Clay Fighter 2 Judgment Clay. It's a sequel to the first Clay Fighter. Most of the roster is still there. There's some more characters added to it. One of note that's on the, the cover of it is uh, the giant jackrabbit. Uh, that's where the, the T2, <laughs> the clay fighter 2 judgment the stylized look of i believe the cover and the title screen are set to kind of parody uh uh, terminator 2 yeah so not a lot to speak on as far as mechanics go and all that again they are not the greatest games in the world there's especially not the greatest fighting games in the world but eh, for for cute charmy game i i enjoyed it well enough uh, Colonel Trigger. Yeah, some RPG for the Super Nintendo. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Comic Zone was a game for the. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're just gonna blow right over Colonel Trigger. Not happen. I wonder how many people were were drafting tweets right then, like right then. Oh hell no! You how are you gonna? Yeah. Chris, tell me your tell me your life story about Colonel Trigger. Um. I actually have very little experience with it, Um, Mm. despite knowing how great of a game it is and having uh, one of the PlayStation discs that had it on it as well. I somehow never got around to actually finishing the game. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been a long time since I even played it. It's kind of on my list of one of those games I need to go back and play um, just because there are so many classics that I never finished. Uh, We talk about this a lot. when we talk about RPGs and PlayStation games and stuff from the past, and it's kind of one of the reasons I force myself now to spend so much time on one game to make sure I get through it because I missed out on so much old school gaming experience. Yeah. And this is one of them. So yeah. unfortunately I can't speak to it a lot. Yeah. Uh, other than it's a good game. <laughs> well, here's the great thing about it. Uh, this game holds up. I think I played Chrono Trigger again either early this year or late last year. So either early 2018, late 2017. Even, yes, the fact that it is one of my top 15 games that is on my wall. All that aside, the game still legitimately holds up. And that's a good thing. Anybody, anybody who is a who remotely glances at RPGs as a genre and goes, yeah, interesting, whatever. This game can be accessed by anybody. It's not being to uh, old uh, typical series tropes like Final Fantasy. It's not beholden to 
Uh, you have to be well versed in fantasy lore and knowledge to get it. It's meant to be accessible. The game starts out with a young, with a young teenage kid, basically, who goes to a local fair. That's your intro. There's nothing great and fantastic or mystical about that. Anybody who's been a kid and has been around a fair can understand that. Once you get into the fair and the game picks up, the game takes off. And it it, it does such a good job all the way through of telling this story. So Chrono Trigger is a squaresoft rpg another great squaresoft rpg from back in their squaresoft heydays back in their masterpiece pumping out <laughs> days and it is a game as i mentioned before in this very episode it is a game centered around time travel and the time travel and the storytelling it can be broken apart like anything with time travel can be but it is told so very well it is all done so very well you will be jumping through various eras of this world and f- solving problems figuring out mysteries helping townsfolk helping cities all kind of things you're going to you're going to find more about the characters in your party you're going to find more about the antagonist you're fighting against. The artwork and the theming and the music, everything in this game is top notch. Uh, I know that we have talked about this RPG quite a few times in this podcast. We've had a Super Super Nintendo RPG episode. We've talked about it there. We had a Top RPGs of All Time episode. We talked about it there. We've talked about several. We've talked about this game several times, so I'm not going to sit here yeah. and rehash it every single time. <laughs> this isn't meant to be. That isn't just the point of a year in review. Just know that if you have not played this, again, like I mentioned earlier about old school anime RPG, I mean uh, old school anime. Don't let the time. This is 1995. I understand that's a long time ago, but don't let that age full get you went like throw you out the window. Don't shy away from this because it's old. Because everything about this game holds up to this day. It is a great game, a great story, great artwork, great of uh, uh, battle mechanics, which again we could totally get into, but I'm not going to. This is this is a masterpiece of an RPG. And that alone, you 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 owe it to yourself to play it. So, yep, released in 1995. Chrono Trigger, ah, good good RPG. Uh, yeah, Comic Zone. Uh, Chris, uh, I guess you never played Comic Zone. No, I was just pulling it up to actually look at it, and I don't recognize it at all. Yeah. I have only played a couple levels in the comic zone, admittedly. The draw for this game, which is actually in- implemented very well, is that this is a this is a side-scrolling beat-em-up, pretty much, and the artwork is hand-drawn to where, like, aesthetically speaking, the artwork is hand-drawn. The character is hand-drawn. So... It is the game is aesthetically set in like a comic book setting. So you will you will show up in a panel, you'll beat up a bunch of enemies, and then you'll go to the next panel, which is be which will kind of be what you what we would consider a screen transition, and there will be enemies there. 
There are times where you will actually see a hand come in and draw certain things. You will, there will be times where like there'll be a manhole cover and you pull the manhole up and then you jump in, in down the manhole. And instead of you being in the suit, you will be in the sewers, but you're transitioning from the top pane to the bottom pane. So just think comic book centered, uh, aesthetics with beat em up, uh, gameplay. Pretty good. It's pretty good. I did, it's not that I didn't make it all the way through the game because it was boring. I think this one kind of got, I played this in my way later years, like maybe even my thirties later years. And I think other games just got swept up around it. So it is interesting. It's pretty good artwork. Pretty good, pretty good premise in general. Command and Conquer, real time strategy game oh, came yeah. out 19, the first one came out in 1995. I will admit, I've never played the first Command and Conquer. My first Command and Conquer was Command and Conquer Red Alert. Let's see how many times yeah. we can say Command and Conquer in this episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. Go ahead. And Red Alert was a vast improvement on the original, but the original was still solid RTS. Um, I. I'm trying to remember when I played these games in comparison to other RTS because I think I had already played StarCraft before I played Command & Conquer. Kind of StarCraft was kind of the gateway RTS for me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I went back and played Command & Conquer. I don't think I played the original much. Like you, Red Alert was the main Command & Conquer for me. Mm-hmm. But it was a it was a different style of RTS because if you think back to the games we talked about kind of you have warcraft starcraft and then command and conquer were kind of the big three mm-hmm. um i'm trying to think if there were any others straight up rts well i think I know there were some that are kind of middle ground maybe like age not age of uh there is one but i didn't get it until probably my mid-20s and i found out that it was also kind of back in that time frame but yeah typically that trilogy is what i is what i remember age of empires that's what i was thinking of but yeah age of empires 2 is great yeah um yeah so this was a bit different they're all kind of warcraft and starcraft had that similarity to them with both being fantasy but command and conquer was different because it was essentially alternate history you know yeah uh with essentially a world war type situation against two large factions uh the units were more believable even right. though the technology was of course that kind of upscaled you know tesla coils and stuff that while technically existing weren't what they were portrayed in the right, game <laughs> right they didn't weaponize <laughs> you know, these them big like towers that, <laughs> that zap nearby you know their tower defense things um but it's fun it was uh definitely not as good as starcraft or I didn't play a lot of Warcraft, so I don't really know. Can't yeah. compare too much to that, but I, th- I, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head, man. Command and Conquer was for a different audience, though. Mm-hmm. I think all RTS lovers would would have enjoyed this period. I mean, yeah. you do have three separate types of games. You have you have Warcraft, which is fantasy. You have Starcraft, which is also fantasy, but more more like space fantasy. And then you have mm-hmm. Command and Conquer, and Command and Conquer was mainly set in like a pretty much realistic setting yeah uh yeah definitely worth noting that the first one came out this year i wish i could say more unfortunately your next step was the one that i played command and conquer so 
Yep. Destruction Derby came out this year. Another kind of soft, uh, so fun. Another kind of soft spot for me and Chris. This is a PlayStation title that I remember playing. I don't remember playing a lot, but I know we played a lot. Mm-hmm. And the premise is pretty simple. Is the the main now? There may have been multiple levels or multiple types too, Chris. You'd have to you know refresh my memory on this one. But the main mode that I remember playing is the bowl, where it's basically mm-hmm. a gigantic hemisphere that you know you you line around the edge. There's like ten, fifteen, twenty, seven hundred cars, and when they say go, all these cars go go striving down the slopes of the bowl and meet up in the middle, and it's just fucking mayhem. Yeah. You're, you're trying to put the other car out of commission. And, oh, man, early days, 1995, PlayStation Destruction Derby. This is some fun right here. Mm-hmm. And I just want to throw out, too, that this game from 1995... Is the standard I'm holding games nowadays, like Wreckfest, mm-hmm. and saying, still not as good as Destruction Derby. Yep. Still got a ways to go. You got to hit that. You got that uh, benchmark. Yep. You got that standard. You're not meeting it. Nope. There is a level. That long of, ago, and it's still there. There's a level of fun and car destruction detail and the music and the, just the vibe this game puts out. It's something yeah. that. And there were. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's something that you would see. You you may have loosely seen some things like this on TV, but playing it, oh, man. Vehicular, vehicular destruction. Very fun. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly yeah. fun. The, uh, there were four modes. Uh, destruction Derby, Wrecking Racing, uh, Stock Car Racing, and Time Trial. Mm. So um, I don't think I ever did stock car racing because <laughs> I think that's non-destruction. So why would you ever play right. that in a destruction derby game? Yeah, get out uh, of here. Same for time trial. I don't know if time trial involved it, but it doesn't sound like it. Uh, but wrecking racing, st- still sort of fun, but not as fun as just a straight up derby. I I played ninety nine point nine percent of the time the destruction derby mode because that's what I was playing destruction derby for. It's the name of the game, right? <laughs> So good. So simple, too. Yeah. It's, it's one of those games, you take a simple premise, you do it well, and you just, you, you've won. Smash cars <laughs> together equals fun. That's all you need to know, folks. Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Conquest. Long name, don't care. Fun game. This <laughs> is my... This is my selection for best Donkey Kong Country game. And yes, I'm saying that above Returns and Tropical Freeze. I like those two games. I do. But there is a large nostalgia play here with DKC2. And just so this is a platforming game a la the first Donkey Kong Country with more animals, more levels, more enemies, more different bosses. I think better bosses this time around. And I wish I, I should be saying more, but I feel like we covered a lot of bases on the Donkey Kong Country uh, talk when it came out. And it's just the precision controls in this game make it so fun. There is a arc of challenge as the levels pro- progress onward. Combined with secrets 
There are uh, coins you can collect that you that you give to an NPC later in the game that will that will unlock a whole a whole different area with even more difficult uh, levels to play through. There are secrets to find in the game, like hidden mini games that add to the total percentage of completing the game. If you want to be that completionist guy, this is one of those games where you're gonna you're going to want to go through everything. You're gonna want to try to find all 102 percent of this game. I did. I've done it a couple times, and I still enjoy it. Great platforming, memorable music. Great graphics, just all around good game. Staple of the SNES right here. Earthworm Jim 2, honestly, while maybe not the greatest game of all time like DKC material, but still a damn good game. Chris, was this SNES and Genesis release? Uh, no, it was SNES and there was a Game Boy Advance version, I guess. Okay. Okay. Uh, let me see what the timeline on that was. Yeah, Game Boy Advance 2004. So, gotcha. but I, I only played a little bit of SNES. Gotcha. Erosion. Okay. Well, yeah. So, a sequel to the first. A lot of sequels in this one in this year. I'm noticing by mm-hmm. the way, which it's going to happen. They're going to happen as, as time goes yep. on. But Earthworm Jim two sequel to the first Earthworm Jim. More levels. More. I don't want to say gimmicks. That seems like it's a negative thing to say, but more variety in how you're progressing through a level. Different enemies. Like, I, man, st- to this day, Puppy Love. I will always remember Puppy Love. I will always remember laughing so hard that I'm waking our grandmother up and her coming in and being like, yo, hey, quiet <laughs> down. You're keeping me awake. Uh, the variety and the random this this is uh, we mentioned this before but this is a game that before being random was fun and funny this game definitely put a lot of random shit out there and the variety and character to this game make it so worth it i would probably put the earthworm gym 2 above earthworm gym 1 but i think you should play both of them because you're going to get you're going to get a good experience either way uh, gets a little weird, gets a little out there. I mean, <laughs> but that's fine. That's what this. That's what these games were designed for. And they do it so well. Yeah, I think this is kind of when you talk about how games now are, you know, very routine. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a similar looking protagonist, similar looking whatever. Back then, we had all these games. We had a bug. We had clay characters. We had an earthworm. Yep. We had all of these other things that were just fun games. They weren't serious games. And I do think that a lot of that lends to sprites. It just seems like there's more... It seems like it's easier to do these wacky, zany things when they're not full motion 360, you know? And that's fine. Mm -hmm. But... This is the these this error right here is where it's at, and Chris has it right, man. That's this is what we need to go back to. We need to go back to companies that just throw random ideas out there and make characters that don't have two legs and two arms and two eyes. Like put put pe- put things other than people in games and make them fun. You did it before. Just go back to it. Uh. Er, Eternal Champions Challenge from the Dark Side. This is a Sega Genesis fighting game. 
Sega CD. Sorry, Sega CD. Thank you very much. Which, granted, again, kind of probably a little better than Clay Fighter Two in Clay Fighter. I feel like they t- they put a little bit more work into the in the fighting mechanics. But I remember this being what sticks out to me, other aside from seeing ads in every other magazine, is that this. This was, I think it was one of the first games, if not the first game, it's definitely the first one that I knew of to have stage fatalities. And that was pretty cool. Uh, I remember there being a variety of characters as well. There was, uh, there was like a, a merman almost with like a trident on his hand. There was, uh, what looked like a gumshoe, like detective with a hat, a trench coat, a pirate. That looked like Cervantes, kind of. But, unfortunately, I didn't own or play this one enough to be able to tell you all the good and bad points of it. I just remember it. Hmm. Did you ever play this, Chris? Did you ever have this? So, I was actually looking at it, and apparently this is the sequel. I forgot we'd already talked about the first one. Oh. I, I don't know if I played the sequel. I don't think I did either. So... Well, this is a sequel to the other <laughs> game that we talked about in another several. Let's just wave yeah, our hands. 1993. And people can't <laughs> see us waving our hands. But we're going to move on to Jumping Flash. Take it away, Chris. So, Jumping Flash also ends with an exclamation point to indicate that it was just a fun little game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Jumping Flash was a first-person platforming game, but... This was different from traditional ones in that you jumped really freaking high. Um, you're this little, like, mechanical robot, uh, excuse me, mechanical rabbit-looking thing. And you would jump and you would go, like, 70, 80, 100 feet in the air. And the platforming was not, it was 3D. I don't know if I said that. I don't think I did. Uh, so you're not just going, you know, side scrolling Mario style platforming or bug like where you're on a 3d screen, but you're still following, you know, a path. This was a map, a flat map where you had more vertical platforming. Uh, so you would go up, uh, onto floating little islands on, tall buildings, uh, all these other little things. Um, <laughs> they actually call it a robot, a robotic rabbit. Okay, yeah. Um, and I'll take it. You had various objectives, you know. Um, I think there were some of the, like, uh, I'm trying to think. It, I, I think the best comparison is, like, red coin collecting in uh, Mario 64 or something where you have various points you have to get to and collect something. Or the rings you have to go through, you know. Um, but it was also... I don't know how much I actually made progress in this. Because hmm. um, I believe this is one that uh, Andy had. Mm-hmm. So I never got to spend a lot of time with it. So I ended up starting over, of course, every time. <laughs> um, but you have levels where you're collecting things and then you get to fight a boss at the end of a world. Yeah. Uh, there were six worlds, three levels each, so 18 levels. Um, yeah, so lots of fun. A very casual, fun game. Good. 
This is this I, I put this one kind of in the same uh mental place as Vib Ribbon, where I have heard about these games a little bit when I was younger, but now that I'm much older and you know, talking to more people, they're like, Yeah, these are really good games. They were mm-hmm. very good. They, I don't know why they were unheard, so unheard of, but they're good. So another one I should get around to playing it sometime. Yeah. I wanna say that it's on something recent, like it was re-released or a sequel. I know there's a Jumping Flash too. That might be the one that was re-released. Yeah, we'll look into it. But definitely, definitely seems like a game that I and and a lot of people should check out. 1985 game again. 95, good game. Mm-hmm. Kirby's good Avalanche. Era came out this year uh so this is another one of those puyo pop style kind of uh games uh this was for this is the nintendo answer to sega's uh dr robotnik's mean bee machine (laughs) same mentality you have two connected blobs that are falling down from the ceiling from the top of the screen and you have to match up colors there's you know like red blue purple yellow you just you got to match up for the same colors and the avalanche aspect of this is the more lines you clear success successfully the it drops uh these clear blobs onto your opponent's screen so if you clear one line it'll drop like you know a blob or two if you if you clear two lines at the same time or back to back it'll drop like a row of them and then two rows and three and you're putting an avalanche on their side and in order for them to clear out or get to the their colored blobs they have to clear out the clear ones as well so it adds it's just another step for them to have to go through thoroughly enjoyed this game which I, I as much as anybody enjoyed uh, Mean Bee Machine I love this gameplay I was hooked I don't even think I've ever beat this game I think I made it pretty far I don't remember how many bosses I made it through how many stages I made it through but thoroughly addicting gameplay super hectic the further you go in and definitely worth a definitely worth a look uh, Kirby's Dreamland 2 came out this year. This is a sequel to Kirby's Dreamland. And I will tell you now, this is, this is vastly different. No, not vastly, but very different from the first Kirby's, uh, Super, Kirby's, uh, Dreamland. I, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, the first Kirby's Dreamland had like four stages. This one had more. This one also had rideable characters introduced. So you had these cute little animals that Kirby could ride on top of. Uh, I wish I could speak more, honestly, Chris. Believe it or not, I have not played Dreamland 2 or 3. I should. I know. I get it. But, yeah, I haven't. Uh, I don't think that this was one of the ones that had the sucking in enemies and taking abilities. But, hey, maybe it did. I know Kirby's Adventure for the NES definitely, definitely did. Uh, Marvel Super Heroes came out this year. This... This was the first game changer for me when it comes to arcade fighting games. You had the X-Men in a fighting game, basically. You had Marvel characters in a fighting game. And this 
feels to me like it was the start of this legacy. You know, the what the Marvel versus Capcom games that people know of today, this was the first. There were other ones, you know, there was there was uh, X Men Children of the Atom and uh, X Men versus Street Fighter, Marvel versus Capcom. I mean, they just the the, the hits kept keep the hits just kept coming. And yeah. I, I wish I could speak more on it from a fighting game perspective. I only played this game a few times in the arcade. Uh, I think Thanos is in this one. That's kind of a note. That's yeah. kind of a noteworthy aspect of the game. But yeah, the wiki says that the whole game is based on the Infinity Gauntlet storyline. Ah, yes, that's why I remember it specifically because there are gems that you can collect in this game, and the gems uh, give you certain abilities and certain powers in the game, and that's uh, that's awesome in a fighting game made by Capcom with Marvel characters. It's so many wins in that statement I just said. <laughs> so, uh, of course, the Mega Man games came out this year. We got Mega Man mm-hmm. for the Game Gear, Mega Man 7, Mega Man X3, and Mega Man the Power Battle for the Arcade. So, not going to... Guys, you know, Mega Man, I can talk about all day. I've only played the Game Gear Mega Man once, and that was part of my uh, 25 games for their 25th... for Mega Man's 25th anniversary. Uh, wasn't the greatest experience in the world. I'll tell you that. was Definitely wasn't the greatest Mega Man game, but they tried. Uh, it was very difficult, very jarring. I, I played it. Mega Man 7, another honesty moment from, from Michael here. I prefer Mega Man 8 over Mega Man 7. I realize we just made a lot of enemies. Don't care. I like <laughs> Mega Man 7, but I've played Mega Man 7 like twice. I mainly know Mega Man 7 through the Game Grumps. I've watched their entire playthrough a few times. Very funny. I love Game Grump, the old school Game Grumps. But I personally have only played Mega Man 7 a couple times. Uh, I barely know. I barely even know the boss order. Mega Man Eight, though, I love it. But we're not here to talk about Eight right now. Mega Man Seven came out this year. Mega Man X Three. I had such a fever desire to play this game after playing Mega Man X, and then a couple years, a year or so later, playing Mega Man X Two. When I learned there was a Mega Man X Three, I fiended for this game so much. I wrote Nintendo. They had. I don't remember if it was an actual poster I saw, if it was an ad that looked like a poster, but in one of Nintendo Power's magazines, they showed this uh, poster-looking picture of Mega Man X3, and it had Mega Man X at the bottom, and it had the characters uh, above him, the enemies and the robot masters and all that, and it had the boss, I think Dr. Dr. Doppler's his name at the very top. I wrote Nintendo please if you guys have that poster can you send it to me and of course i said no but imagine (laughs) so fast forward so that was my teenage years and we're talking probably 97 96 ish time frame i didn't play Mega Man x3 for the first time until i was 24 25 years old and for me considerably disappointing i felt Mega Man x3 was way more difficult than it needed to be uh, some of the some of the mechanics just didn't exactly feel polished. Uh, man, honestly, the the main detractor for me was the difficulty. I found it incredibly fucking hard, very difficult to get through that game, and that made it it just it, it didn't have the same charm that uh, Mega Man X One and X Two did. But you know, 
in any case, I did play it. It is what it is. Mega Man X3 came out this year. Mega Man The Power Battle arcade game. An arcade battle sort of game. Almost pretty much a fighting game. Had a roster of classic Mega Man characters. And it was a one-on-one fight. And you fought these Mega Man characters and bosses against each other. Like the artwork. Like the gameplay. Uh, again, I didn't have this anywhere in any arcade I could ever recall. So anytime I had to play this, it was mainly through like an emulator of some sort. But yeah, the fact that an- another genre that Mega Man got into, they got into sports with soccer. They got into fighting games with the fighting edition. I'm sorry, the the, pow- the power battle. Uh, they did RPGs with uh, Maverick Hunter. Yeah, they Mega Man got out there. Mega Man did some things. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the fighting edition. Of course, when I was a young when I was a young guy, even into my mid to late teens, yes, that's how far Power Rangers ran for me. I'd say mid teens. Uh, let's be really honest. I say mid teens <laughs> is where I cut them off. But this was a fighting game for the Super Nintendo that I remember, and it was made by Bandai, if I'm not mistaken. I think Bandai made this game. Publishing. Yeah, and for what it is, I mean, it's Power Rangers-themed things in a fighting game. I played it quite a few times. I rented it quite a few times. Pretty good artwork. Decent enough fighting mechanics for a fighting game anyway. Uh, You got to see some Power Rangers love in there, so sure, I enjoyed it. Uh, Mortal Kombat 3. Chris, what do you remember about Mortal Kombat 3? So... This one, and I'm trying to think of the timeline on this one, because Mortal Kombat 1 and 2 played on the Genesis. 3, mm-hmm. I want to say I played on the Genesis as well. Um, Just continuing a classic fighting game series. Um, I don't actually remember what was different about 3, but uh, it was... Better graphics, a little bit. I mean, I believe there wasn't a huge difference, but of course they're going to make minor upgrades while it's on the same console. Um, uh, apparently you could run, according to the wiki. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I can't remember a whole lot specifically to this one. Um, I don't have any memory specific to three, like I do one... Uh, I don't even think I have any of two, but yeah. I know I played them all <laughs> quite a bit. Well, there was some, I know there was some aesthetic changes, like the characters getting more of a, they more, they look more like real people than like the cartoon characters we know of, like Sub-Zero, instead of having that garment that everybody knows Scorpion and Sub-Zero in, this Sub-Zero had more like a, it was like pants and and of like not like a vest, but like this these straps that went up and over his shoulders. It seemed like the characters in this one were kind of straying away from the cartoony and more more realistic. E. Uh, I can't. I th- so Mortal Kombat One and Mortal Kombat Two both had fatalities. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if Three was the first to introduce like. Uh, animalities and babalities and friendships. I think friendship was in two. Uh, mm. 
Man, it's just I know, man. I, I I'm I'm not as versed either. I know there were differences. I just don't remember them all. Yeah, um, I'm I'm looking. I'm trying to trying to see. I mean, if, of course, uh, there were more characters added too. You know, uh, uh, I, two like, was the babality and friendship. Uh, oh, okay. Well, brutality maybe. Animality was new. Animality. Okay, I get one of them. I can say twelve. I just got to get one of them right. <laughs> Uh, I just had something else and now I forgot about it. Oh, yeah, like characters. Uh, like Sindel mm. was new. Uh, oh, man. Cyrax. Cyrax. The, yeah, the, the cyborgs. Uh, I can never. Cabal. Cabal was in this mm. one. He's new. So, yeah, Striker. Another new one. Uh, I think there was a documentary I watched sometime last year where they were talking about how they were trying to change a lot and 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 do go a different way when three was made i just can't recall the documentary unfortunately so but yeah you got the third installment in the mortal Kombat series in 1995 you also got panzer dragoon for the sega saturn i've only played one panzer dragoon in my life and that was panzer dragoon aorta or orta for the Xbox? Xbox. Yep. Yes. So the premise of this game is you're basically flying a dragon-esque monster creature thing. And you're... The the screen is constantly moving forward like you're flying, basically. And there are enemies around you, and you move a cursor around the screen and attack the enemies. Now, that is what I remember from Panzer Dragoon Orda. I don't know if that's the way the original Panzer Dragoon was made, but I, from the screenshots, I could tell it looks like it was. Unfortunately, I just I'm not super versed on this whole series. I just figured it was worth a mention because Panzer Dragoon, for for better for worse, was de- it was definitely different. It was interesting. Rayman came out this year. Chris, I'm gonna guess you put some time into some Raymans, huh? I ha- I've put a fair bit. I've actually put more time recently in my later years than I did as a kid. Uh, I actually owned this game for PlayStation. Uh, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. I saw the releases and I didn't see PlayStation the first time. I was like, wait, am I wrong? No, this, this came out on a lot of platforms, actually. Uh, it was on Saturn and PlayStation. So I thought maybe I was mistaken at first. But yeah. I owned this for PlayStation. Uh, never beat it, but it's not, it's not that type of game where I was overly concerned with beating it. Uh, I even have, you know, some of the latest games related to Rayman and haven't beat a single one, but that's okay. It's a fun game to pick up. It's a side scrolling platform game where you can throw your, uh, so Rayman is a different style of character because his legs and hands are not attached to his body. Yep. Uh, and his head floats over the body too. So his kind of signature move is to, you know, spin his fist and then throw it out like 10 feet in front of him to hit something. Uh, so that's kind of the gimmick of the game. And uh, there are a whole lot of abilities he gains. I don't know which ones are in this game in particular, but throughout the series and, like I said, it's a fun little platforming game. Uh, another one for this era. Right. 
another showcase of the artwork and just out there character designs and yeah I, I like these i like the idea i like what these games convey you know we're we're doing different but we're also making it look very very good yeah i, I want to say that rayman is actually one of the longest surviving fun platformers like this yeah you know, outside of, you know, like Mario and, of course, the big names like that. But from just the fun games, looking at the list, like, I'm sure Bug is dead. There's a sequel, but I don't think it went beyond that. Uh, what else? Well, Jumping Flash had a sequel, and it's been remade a couple times. But Rayman actually is still having games put out. Yeah. So. Earthworm Jim got got high enough to at least have a TV show made about it, but <laughs> it there was a Earthworm Jim 3D for the 64, and that was not good at all. <laughs> it seems like after that, they were like, all right, well, we're done. Yeah, and I, I think Rayman's lasted as long as it has because it hasn't changed the formula. It still yep. looks the same. Yep. It's not going 3D as far as, you know, like a 64 game would. The, the levels are maybe more 3D, but the game itself plays almost exactly the same as it mm-hmm. did back then. Yep. Another 95 game, Ridge Racer Revolution. Chris, this is another mm-hmm. one for you, buddy. Yeah, so this is actually uh, in the arcade what was Ridge Racer 2. Um, so if you play down the arcade, you played this one. Uh, okay. I'm, I'd be hard-pressed to determine anything that changes. Uh, actually looking at the wiki, it says the gameplay system remains unchanged from Ridge Racer. (laughs) So this was just a sequel, I guess, different cars. And of course, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, But a fun racing game, um, not, doesn't look great. (laughs) And I don't think this is one that would hold up as well now, but it was fun back then. Yeah. Next, we got Rystar for the Genesis and for the Game Gear, at least for both of them this year. This is mm-hmm. this is another character that, if I'm not mistaken, well, no, Rystar, is, his limbs were connected, but yeah. his gimmick was he could stretch them out so he could grasp onto uh, hang, uh, objects hanging in midair and then mm-hmm. could swing around with his long arms. Yeah. Uh, I think, Chris, you may have played this more than me. I've only played Rystar a couple times. I enjoyed every time I played it, but I'm not as well-versed in this game. Uh, I don't know. I think we both played this a little bit. I actually had forgotten about this until you brought it up on a past episode. Um, uh, and then okay. I saw it on today's list. I was like, yep, now I know what he's talking about. Dives that um, bullet. I did play, and I actually watched the speed run of at least part of it. I don't think I saw the whole thing yeah. uh, at the last yeah. GDQ. But... Yeah, it was just a another fun little platformer. It had its own little gimmick with the spinning and uh, momentum on the poles and stuff. Yep, charming. Another another guess. Earthworm Jim, Rystar, Rayman, charming. They have their own mm-hmm. charm to them, and they're it's done very well. Uh, Road Rash Three. This was uh, Genesis. I think it was Genesis. I don't have that tab up yet. (laughs) Either way, Road Rash 3 came out this year. Yeah. And 
this is the third in the installment, and they surprisingly, folks, didn't change a lot about the formula, which is good. You're on a motorcycle, and you have weapons at your disposal. Get from point A to point B first, and anybody in your way, get them out of your way. <laughs> either either blow past them with your racing skills, or beat them with a chain or a pipe. I mean, do yeah. something. Kick them if you have to. <laughs> and Oh, and don't get caught by the cops. Yeah. I wish I had played enough of these to get all the differences between the three. I wish I could give you more deep analysis about how they upgraded from one to two to three, but I can't. And I think if I think three may have been one of the first ones I played, so it's a long time ago. But that premise is very simple to understand and always stuck with me. Race beat people up. <laughs> yeah. Samurai Showdown Three again. I'm not. A, I'm not the greatest verse when it comes to fighting games. I just figured this was mentioned because Samurai Showdown I feel is another series that deserves mentioning, and and it's 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 awesome. It's got a lot of characters in it. Uh, the art style is known is what it's known for to me. The variety of characters also. Yeah, just wanted to mention Samurai Showdown. It's another alternative to fighting games. Oh, it's another alternative to the arcade fighting games of the time. Speaking of alternative to the arcade games of that time, Soul Edge, the first Soul-esque game, came out in 1995. This is uh, bringing weapon-based combat, and I'm sh- it may not have been the first, but it was definitely one that popularized weapon-based arcade combat. Every character had their own unique weapon, their own backstory of why they were fighting. There was a large, gigantic over t- uh, tie- over overhead theme to the whole game, overhead story to the whole game. It was tying everybody, why everybody was fighting in this game. Uh, 3D graphics, 3D fighting. Yeah, noteworthy. Should be brought up. Also brought up this year... Street Fighter Alpha, this was another uh, sidestep to the Street Fighter artwork and direction and fighting style. I wish I could tell you the straight differences between, say, Alpha and Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Unfortunately, I don't know them enough. Sorry. What always sticks out to me is the difference in characters and the artwork. Seems like Alpha was like the, to me, it always felt like the next step of the Street Fighter franchise. They didn't go all the way through with it. Well, not, let me scratch that. They didn't just stick with Alpha because eventually Street Fighter 3 finally came out, uh, Street Fighter 4, etc., etc. So the Alpha series, I believe Alpha stopped at 3. I don't think they've made any Alphas after that. There is Street Fighter like EX plus Alpha, but that's that's not the same. Also, Street Fighter this year. Oh, boy. <clears throat> Street Fighter the movie the game so (laughs) street fighter was a video game they made a movie about street fighter then they made a game about the movie about the game and that's what this was the movie sucks ass (laughs) it's still horrible the game yes i have played it it is as equally horrible it is bad everything about street fighter the movie is bad stay away from it you've been warned (laughs) that's all you need to know but going away from the negative and and just, I mean, barreling in a positive, Sweet oh, yeah. Coden, 1995. Got my hoodie right in front of me. Woo! What a <laughs> sleeper. I can't believe enough people, more people need to know about Sweet Coden. Yeah. It is still 
criminally, criminally unknown. I I kind of wish Adam was here on this episode because he has played through all of the Sweet Codens, uh, even Gaiden. Uh, as far as I know, to this day, there are five main games in that series. And there is a Gaiden, which somewhat was pretty much like a tactics game. Chris, how many of those have you played? One and two. That's 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 all you need. <laughs> I, I can hear yeah. Adam right now. I can hear. I, I plan on playing call, the others. I can hear him calling my phone and just berating me for this. But I <laughs> have played one and two, and four and five. I'm sorry, three and five. Four apparently is a huge diversion from the mainstay of Sweet Code, both in story and in gameplay. And it focuses like 80% on naval stuff that's not Black Flag naval stuff. So, eh, I've always steered clear of that. Uh, three, I, Chris, I played Sweet Code in three. I beat Sweet Code in three. I don't remember a fucking thing about Sweet Code in three. <laughs> that is horrible. That is sad. Yeah. I'll take some of the blame. Sure, I've got a bad memory. You know what? Hey, maybe most of it's me, but I don't believe so. I Three was forgettable for me. Uh, five, I made it probably about six, seven hours into five and said, man, this is too different for me. I can't do it. One thing Sweet Coden has that it's always kept through, whether I agree with how they tell the story whether I agree with the gameplay, is there is a large overarching narrative, a large overarching story to Sweet Coden. It's all about these uh-huh. these these true runes, and there's 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 family lineage involved, and and magic and characters spanning spanning time involved, and that has always been kept all the way through. If you don't want to follow all that, you don't have to. Sweet Coden is a completely self-contained story. It tells you everything you need to know, even with all the characters involved, all in one nice, neat package. This game, I had never heard of. I borrowed it with one of... I borrowed this. I borrowed a PlayStation with this, Twisted Metal 2, Resident Evil, and Doom. And this game was just out of fucking left field for me. But I'm so glad I played it. This was one of the first jumps in RPGs for me. You know, going from even even masterpieces like Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy 3, uh, Final Fantasy 6, and Super Mario RPG, and then playing Sweet Coden, seeing the sprite graphics upgraded, hearing that PlayStation Symphony music, you know, the tactics involved when in the overworld... The fighting mechanics, just uh, such a good game, a a treasure in the PlayStation realm, a treasure in the RPG realm. Uh, Sweet Coden Two is we'll talk about that one in its year, but that Sweet Coden Two is also on my wall, top fifteen of all time. Uh, great series. I will recommend just like Chris has played, as somebody has played most of them. And I'm sure Adam will say different, and that's fine. I totally get it. I would recommend playing one and playing two, and that's all you need to play. But both of those games, in their own respect, masterpieces. Uh, Speaking of really great games, Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island. 
this is uh, this is a sequel to Super Mario World for the Super Nintendo. Different gameplay idea here. You're actually playing as Yoshi with Mario on your backside, for better or for worse. <laughs> this game is meme worthy today as the as the crying baby. Everybody knows the game from the baby. I'm telling you now, look past that. Get over that shit. Be done with that because the platforming and controls and music and everything about this is a solid fucking platform game. This rivals, if not beats out the original game easy in all aspects. The boss designs, the level designs, the artwork, the music, like everything about this. This game is done so well. Uh, I don't have numbers in front of me to tell how critically or financially it did, but I I feel like this is definitely better than the first one for many, many reasons. The first one's still fucking good. Don't get me wrong. But I think a lot of people may have looked over this because, you know, one, the crying baby thing, and also you're playing really, you're really playing as Yoshi. That's fine. It's, this is a platform game. Don't worry about it not being strictly about Mario. Worry about being what Mario is good at, and that's platforming. How much of uh, did you ever play any of this, Chris? I played it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really have a lot of memory to go with it. I just know I played it. Yeah. Um, this is one I didn't own, so I probably just got to play it for 15, 30 minutes at some point at someone else's house. Yeah. I recommend it. I think it's up there. And it definitely holds up. People speed run the fuck out of this game today. And Mm -hmm. rightly so. Tekken 2, another arcade. A lot of arcade games in here, I'm noticing now, or remembering. Uh, Sequel to the first Tekken. More 3D fighting from Namco. More characters. I think the roster in this game was... If it wasn't wasn't tripled, it was definitely doubled. There were a lot of characters in this game. Uh, yada 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 same thing as before I wish I could tell you more about it I played Tekken 3 for the Playstation I don't I never played Tekken 2 in the arcade so but another entry to the Tekken series another pillar in the fighting game franchise Time Crisis arcade game came out this year this is a gunplay style arcade Mm -hmm. action like this game light gun yeah uh, this one, Chris, this is the one that had, I feel so bad even asking this question, <laughs> but I make sure there are so many light gun games. I, I honestly get some of them confused, but if I'm not mistaken, time crisis is the one that you had, you had a pedal and yep. you had to, if, if you held the pedal down, you stayed ducked. And if you let it go yep. or vice versa, if yeah. you held it down, you ducked. Yeah. Right. Right. So, yeah, it's a light gun arcade game. So you, hopefully you and a partner, you and a friend, family member, whoever, you and somebody else have your own respective light gun. There's a pedal on the floor. You step on the pedal and makes your character duck. And it is kind of, it is pretty much rail shootery. You know, you're going mm-hmm. from area yeah. to, from place to place to place. And then you have to pop out and shoot enemies down. And if, uh, does this one have a reload button or do you shoot to the no, side? Reloading was uh, ducking. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. Uh, definitely fun. Uh, all these, especially with two people. Come on. It's arcade light gun shooting. 
I spend way too much money on these games. No, yes. <laughs> mine mine was House of the Dead, specifically House of the Dead 2. Oh my god. That thing came out for the Dreamcast and I borrowed it from a friend. Oh man, he had a light gun too. Whew. I think I tried to master that game when it was on the Dreamcast, but I would be damn if I'm doing that in the arcade. I ain't, I don't have that kind of money. <laughs> <laughs> Twisted Metal, the first Twisted Metal North American oh, yeah. release this year. Uh, I played Twisted Metal 1. I played it enough to play as all the characters and beat it as all the characters. But this was the first in the Twisted Metal franchise. Wasn't quite there. That's kind of shitty to say that because <laughs> I'm, I'm talking the head of the game here. Mm-hmm. Twisted Metal 2 is the pinnacle for me. When you go back and play Twisted Metal 1, eh, not really the same as far as character designs. Not really the same. The gameplay is fairly identical. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, just you, you, get a, you get a dated look when you go from 2 to 1. Like I said, I played it enough to, yeah. to to get all the endings. That's about all I remember. Chris, anything from you? I completed the game, got all the endings, played it some more until 2 came out and moved on. <laughs> but it was so good. Yep. Even though it lacked, it even for that era, it still was a little behind on graphics, but the gameplay was there, the concept was there, and it drastically got better. Yeah, yeah. So, if anything, it's just worth noting that that one came out this year. Uh, along with Mortal Kombat 3, Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 came mm-hmm. out this year. Uh Again, this is one where I feel like I failed my audience. I should have done some homework and figured out the reason, the differences between. You know what? This is how we're going to make it up to you, audience. We're going to have a Mortal Kombat episode some way down the future. <laughs> some sometime down the road, we'll analyze the Mortal Kombat franchise in some way, shape, or form. All we'll right. do some homework then. So Add just know to the list. Just know that Mortal Kombat and the basically an update to the to the game Ultimate Mortal Kombat Three all. Both came out in 1995. Virtual Cop 2. Now, I haven't played Virtual Cop, Chris, that I know of. I don't think I've ever played a Virtual Cop. I, or, another, or maybe uh, I have. It was another light gun game in the arcade. Uh, this, to, well, you talk about it while I look it up because I don't know um, if it did. This one is actually what was the what was the basis of Time Crisis? We didn't even talk about the theme of it. What was the scenario you were in? Uh, were you trying you were, to rescue somebody? I uh, honestly don't remember. I just shot people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you were trying to save someone, uh, but it was some. You were some sort of soldier. You're a, a secret agent. Essentially, uh-huh. uh, Virtua Cop is exactly what it sounds like. You are cops. Uh, I don't know details on the plot, but you were playing as cops. That's kind of the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were going against uh, criminals uh, and shooting them while trying not to kill innocent bystanders. Uh, that's, yeah, I mean, it's a light yeah. gun arcade shooter. Uh, looking um, at browsing over screenshots from google images mm-hmm. i say that i probably played this one one or two times nowhere nowhere near the amount of times i played like house of the dead and uh, sure. time crisis so i recognize the reticle but barely <laughs> barely 
Yeah. I mean, in any event, it's a light gun arcade shooter, so it had it was it was fun. I just passed passed over it, didn't play it enough. <laughs> That's fair. There are a lot of options. Yeah, <laughs> that were back in the arcade days. Uh, Warcraft Two: Tides of Darkness. Uh, it's got a subtitle, but it's it's the sequel to the first Warcraft. This was the first Warcraft I ever played, Chris. But another honesty, this is I feel like a lot's coming out today. Uh, I only played Warcraft two like for the first level or two, and did not care for it to the verge of. Okay, so I I played two, I played one and two before I went to go play three. Warcraft three was already out by the time I went to Warcraft one and two. Because mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to play Warcraft three, but. I had that sequel thing in my head where it's like, nope, I can't play it yet. I got to play one or two and play one or two and went, this doesn't even look like Warcraft (laughs) three. And they don't, they don't, they are overhead, like almost tile base look looking. And then you look at Warcraft three and it's from a, it's from a 3d isometric view and the characters are all polygons and yeah. So I unfortunately can't speak anything on Warcraft 1 or 2 because I played both of them for maybe about an hour apiece uh, and then moved on to Warcraft 3, probably in the same week. So, uh, WWF WrestleMania, the arcade game. Chris, I played this a lot. I borrowed this from a friend on the Super Nintendo and I've had the pleasure of playing it for the arcade, at least in emulator form. This... So, as we talked about in another episode about wrestling games being awesome, uh, this, this, this was awesome not because of character creation. It was awesome because they really leaned in with the arcade aspect of this game. You basically have one-on-one matches, and your characters are basically side-facing. So, instead of you, you're in a ring. But you're going mm-hmm. left to right, and you're kind of going up and down. It's not 3D isometric. It's not that typical. It's not the it's the ring view that you remember from wrestling games, but tilted down more. So if that makes any sense. But all the characters in this game basically had little power moves, almost like Razor Ramon had a move where his arm turned into a sort of like an edge like a blade and he would swipe at somebody uh you would have uh like i'm trying to think yokozuna had uh like a crazy freaking uh jump from the top of the ropes almost uh most of the all the characters in there had their pretty much their signature moves but they had arcade stylizations added to them graphics and 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 Think of Battletoads. That's the best way I can equate it to. Uh, and it was fun. For an arcade fighting slash beat up style game, I had way too much fun with that game. Uh, see XCOM Terror from the Deep? Yeah, I, I actually, this is a XCOM. recent edition. <laughs> okay. Um, I wasn't going to mention it at first, but I figured I should go ahead and do it. Um XCOM is a game I've talked about recently for being very, very difficult and very unfair. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Terror of the Deep 
was a sequel to uh, XCOM UFO Defense. Uh, so it's the second game in the XCOM series, but uh, it's worth mentioning just because that this is kind of part of the legacy of the XCOM series. I actually own this game on Steam. Um, I haven't got around to playing UFO Defense in this yet. I think I tried loading it up one day and had some issue, and I just moved on instead of you know trying to fix it. Uh, but it's still on my list to play because I love the XCOM game, no matter how much it tortures me. Uh, it's one of those games that, uh, kind of like, you know, souls for you. You just got to keep going back and pushing through the pain. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's worth mentioning for the legacy. And last, um, I, this is one of those unfortunate titles for me, Chris, where I have played it. But this was a game that, like, a friend owned, and I don't remember if, like, I moved soon. Like, I remember them having it, and me rarely getting to play it, because every time I would go to his house to play it, they were playing Mortal Kombat. So it was like, I want to play your Genesis, because I, I didn't have one, and I want to play Clone Wars on your Genesis. And it's like, yeah, come on over, we'll play. And then we get there, and it's like, everybody's playing Mortal Kombat. So it's... I never got around to it. I never owned my own Genesis for a long, long time. I don't think Andy had this. I don't remember Andy having it. So I, yeah, I played it enough to know it was a side-scrolling slashems, uh, beat 'em up style game, and it's it, it was good. The graphics were good. I remember seeing ads for it, but I I've, I've not played it enough. I think. I think I, I, I may have went through the game like one time in my mid to late 20s. I just forget it because I think I just ran through it one quick time. But, you know, those games hold up. Those games were pretty good. Uh, I think think of uh, uh, X-Men Mutant Apocalypse for the Super Nintendo. Side-scrolling, beat-em-up style gameplay. Pretty good. So, yeah. That's it for 1995. Uh, oh boy, solid year. It is a very solid year. There are top 15s uh, for me. There are a lot of a lot of a lot of top tier games this year. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, what we talk about is the mid 90s. This is this is yeah. this is banner time right here. This is decade of the of the millennia right here. <laughs> See how far we can stretch that uh that topic mm-hmm. that topic list out. So <laughs> So what about you guys and gals? What w- were you old enough to play games in 95? I'm I'm saying that respectfully. I'm not an insult. I I, I legitimately want to know. If you weren't, what do you know about games that we mentioned or or know about games around 1995? If you it, what what games f- that we mentioned today are a lot, or ones that you'd like to have more, some more discussion about that you'd like to tell us about your memories your uh your times playing through them what games did we just totally blow over and didn't mention at all that you feel deserves some spotlight anything about 1995 in general you'd like to discuss we'd like to hear we'd like to hear any discussion you'd like to have about hey anything we talked about today any games that we've been playing What's been going on in your video game life? Uh, you can send lots of feedback to us. Any feedback at all you'd like to send in many different ways. We have a Facebook page. You can go to Facebook and search for End of Timecast. Maybe how you found this episode right here. We have an email 
address. You can send us an email at endoftimecast at gmail.com. That's endoftimecast at gmail.com. No funny numbers in there. Just spell it like you heard it. We have a Twitter page. You can tweet us. And then if we tweet, you can retweet. And if we'll retweet you, it'll be a tweet fest. Yeah. <laughs> Any way that you would like to discuss anything at all with us, I'm telling you, I say this, I'm trying to say it every episode now, but I genuinely mean it. Discussion is why I started this whole thing. I know I like to talk a lot. I get that. But I like talking with people about gaming. And it's always good. It's always good. It's always good to have good game discussion. So that's going to do it for this episode. Man, Chris, the game of the year, nineteen ninety five. Woo! We got another fight coming up. I can feel it, <laughs> but that's down the road, folks. You gotta wait a bit, <laughs> unless you're binging these episodes. Then, yeah, I guess we'll see you in like nine hours. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, I'm Michael. I'm Chris. Good night, everybody. <laughs>